we danced on the night we were wed. We vowed our true love. Hello, everybody. This is Joey. Welcome to the paper anniversary episode for the Explosive Magico Podcast Network, which I didn't even know uh, traditional anniversary gift themes were a thing until like my fourth real anniversary. Uh, I guess U.S. first year, I'm supposed to get you guys something made of paper. So, uh, you know, find a picture of my face on the internet and print it out or something. That's from me. Uh, on Wikipedia, courtesy of the librarians at the Chicago Public Library, the suggested modern gift is a clock. Not really sure how that fits in with paper, but neither does podcasts, I suppose. What we have for this episode, I think, is going to be really cool. We have all of our shows on the network, Paranoia Shop, LOLJK, uh, WASD, Climax, Mimes or Lasers, Phil even. Uh, everybody has recorded a mini episode, like a bite-sized taste of what their show is about. Uh, I'm sure a lot of people who listen to Exposed Magico at this point have their favorites that they uh, kind of just wait for for those to come out. But if you've never listened to any other shows on the network... I think now is a really great time to kind of dip your toes into uh, all our other goodies that we got. So uh, let's uh, let's get this show on the road, shall we? Let's start with the newest show. Uh, I am very fond of it. It is called WASD. It's our resident video game podcast. Ari, this is Joey calling from the Explosive Magico Podcast Network. Lane, what's up? I just wanted to call and you know reflect on our one episode for this um, uh, anniversary yeah, I cast. Think we, I, I, I think we peaked. Yeah, I don't think we're getting any better. Are we gonna are we gonna call it? Yeah, I think. Well, I mean, we could still go through the motions. I'm happy to do that. <laughs> We'll still we'll still record, you know, like every couple of weeks, but we'll really half ass it. Yeah, I mean, well, it's just going to come out that way. It's not going to get better, so I mean, that's good. It, 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 we can we can put forth the effort. I just don't know what we're going to get in return, but you know, mm-hmm. we'll see. We'll just fill all the yeah. cracks with free games and hope pe- that's yeah. enough to keep people there. I think that should be yeah. So that's the sound of playing that we're going to get. Sweet. I just bought Tabletop Simulator, by the by. Oh, yeah? Have yeah. you been playing around with it? Yeah, I'm, I'm staring at a, a Go board, um, and I'm playing it by myself. It's pretty fun. <laughs> That's so funny, because I actually, at, at my last trip to the board game store, I bought a new Go board, and I don't remember how to play it, so I downloaded the Go Android app on my phone. Oh, really? And I've just been playing it nonstop letting the computer just kill me over and over again. Uh-huh. As I slowly remember how to play. I don't think you're Chinese enough to be good at it, though, right? I don't assume so, but I don't know all the ins and outs yet, so... Atari. Oh, also, the game board that I bought is a one from the 70s, so it says that Go is the original Oriental game. <laughs> Authentic. Yeah. Sweet. Yeah. Well, there's it's before they they stopped using words like that. <laughs> we're 
our our mini sode segment we're about to go into uh we recorded a couple weeks ago now um it's about goat simulator i don't know if you remember i do yes well Matt, the, even though i said that we peaked in our main episode i'd say our 15 minute episode was actually a peak okay good the the thing that i found out is that the goat simulator soundtrack is about uh five minutes long Wow. So um, it's, it's five minutes of gold. Yeah, I'm just hoping that it playing underneath our whole segment isn't going to drive people insane because <laughs> WASD is the first thing on this anniversary show. If it, if it does, then it'll be in theme with the game that is insane itself. Okay, so great. I think, you know, it's appropriate. So we just tell everyone it's intentional. Yeah. All right. That's good. Well, you know, we just tell people to stick around because we give away a good game in it. Yeah, and then yeah, guaranteed. Yeah, guaranteed good game. So if you if you need more bribery than that, then you probably have something legitimately good to do with your time. You should probably go do that. <laughs> right. But I imagine most people who listen don't, so they should listen for the free game. All right. Well, uh, I think that about wraps up the the reminiscing on our one episode. Yeah, good times. Yeah, so I'll, I'm so sad. Yeah, I'm well, like bittersweet, like happy, sad of reminiscing. <laughs> well, we're going to be recording another one next week, but I'll be sure to not put any effort into it. Yeah, that's guaranteed. Yeah, guaranteed no effort from us. Pretty right. much from here on out. All right, Are you, you're in San Francisco right now. I'm in Oakland. Yeah, I saw a car on fire today. So you saw a car on fire? Yeah, beautiful Oakland. I was walking to the street and all these shirtless dudes who were just standing around in the middle of a weekday yelling, car on fire, car on fire. And then I thought they were yelling at me for some reason. And I was like, I don't know what's going on here. And then I looked behind me and there was in the street right next to me was this Range Rover that was on fire. <laughs> <laughs> and these two confused women got out of the car and we're just walking next to it. And I was just thinking, this is not the right neighborhood for these two women in a Range Rover to have their car set on fire. Yeah, no shit. Oh, but that's at awesome. At least the car had sweet rims. So. At least it's up with the uh, my internal view of uh, Oakland. It's like fitting <laughs> the bill, at least. Yeah, whatever that may be. <laughs> All right, well, don't get shot and stuff so we can record next week. Yeah, I'll try. Okay. But whatever, you know. Or, you know, get shot if it's a good story to tell, then we'll re- talk about it or something. Yeah, I'll try to weave it into some kind of first-person shooter game or something. Sweet. So the Goat Simulator page right below where you can buy it has 34,000 likes on Facebook and then 92,000 shares. Wow. Holy shit. This is the, you know, game of the year has come out already. (laughs) It's the goat. (laughs) And they really fucking nail the description too. Goat Simulator is a small, broken, and stupid game. (laughs) It was made in a couple of weeks, so don't expect a game in the size and scope of GTA with goats. In fact, you're better off not expecting anything at all. To be completely honest, it would be best if you spent your $10 on a hula hoop, a pile of bricks, or maybe a real live goat. 
ten dollars is really like almost an incredulous amount for a game like this. <laughs> I paid it so quickly. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I sent you the I sent you the text. I'm like, well, I got to get home. <laughs> like I, I usually like games I really want and love. I don't pay that much. Yeah, you, you put them on a wish list I on Steam on and wait for it. <laughs> this this yeah. This yeah. game I was willing to pay for it just because I support this guy's mission so hard. <laughs> I, I really like what you're what you're trying to do here. I think it's good for games. I think it is good for games. I think it's good for games that you made a joke video to show off some tech demo. Yeah. And then it was so stupid that you're like, I'm going to do this. <laughs> People love this. Where did you hear about it? Like, I don't even... I think you were the one that told me about it first because I didn't even know it existed. Weeks ago, I had seen the tech demo. Oh, on YouTube? Uh, yeah, on YouTube. Okay. And I'd read, then I looked I looked into it because I really wanted it to be a game, and I found out that it wasn't a game, and then I found out that it was going to be a game. <laughs> Emotional roller coaster. <laughs> yeah, it was a lot of ups and downs. <laughs> oh, man. So the, the trailer that came out a couple days ago, for those of you who uh, haven't seen it yet, really great take on the Dead Island trailer from a couple years back. Ari, you've purchased it. Immediately. Immediately. You you can buy it from the guy's site or through Steam, I guess. Yeah, the, the release date is officially April 1st, but they did a pre-release, which was really great, where if you pre-ordered, you just got the game. Yeah. So no reason to really call it a pre-order. It's just like, buy the game now. Buy the game for me direct, and then I will get more money. Yeah. Here's so, the game early. He sent the... Uh, the vehicle they use on the website is the Humble Bundle system. Oh, that little widget? Yeah, uh, which oh is yeah, how Humble they widget. offer the uh, the Steam code so immediately, too, which uh, is awesome. Gotcha. So I assume that they're taking off like a dollar or two, but, you know, that's still pretty good. Mm-hmm. That's really smart. I think Steam was going to look into trying to do something like that, too. It's weird that Steam would let Humble scoop them, then, if they're so integrated with Humble. I wonder... If you're Steam at that point, if it's like, well, it's just bringing people into our ecosystem and it's fine to do whatever. Yeah, smart. Or, or if it's like Humble gets a cut and then they have to give some of their cut to Steam because they're giving away Steam codes. I assume yeah, people are downloading everything directly from the developer. It's probably a licensing thing. It, it could be, too, yeah. Because, you know, if you're Steam at that point, even if you're not getting money, you're just like, oh, well, I'm going to bring them in and they're going to spend money eventually anyway. Yeah, they're at least going to play on our system and get goat cards, which there are cards. Cards for goat simulator? There's cards. Are you going to get the level 5 badge? There's no badge. What? I just got one card. This is spoiler. I got one card that's just not a goat, and it's a picture of a sheep. <laughs> Does it say how many cards are in the game? No, it. Uh, well, I actually I don't remember looking, but I checked to see I'll if look, I could find a badge. Yeah, and there's no badge button. It's only a sell button, and the card was selling for about twenty three cents. So you know, if you spend nine bucks, <laughs> you can get to subtract twenty three cents from that. Pretty good well, deal. You know, before the card market takes a dive, <laughs> when I show up and like that's all I do. Well, it's already dove. It was fifty three cents when it first. Whoa, yeah, big time money. You got to get into card trade early. Big time goat money. <laughs> not a not a goat. Not a goat. That's awesome. So, what is your now that you've spent some time with it? I've I feel like I have full disclosure. Haven't <laughs> had uh, time with the game, but I've watched a lot of video of the game. He's a, he's a big appreciator. Yeah, I I feel like I have a pretty good handle on it now at this point. You think you do. <laughs> But until you feel that rumble in your hands of that goat running down the street, macked by a car flying yeah. 30 feet in the air with his tongue flopping around. Does it control? Does it work with controller? 
Yes, oh. but uh, I did have to use the mouse at one point because I couldn't figure out which. There's a feature where you can flip, spin the goat in mm-hmm. the air. And, you know, once he's launched, you can kind of change, you know, how he rotates on an on the you know Y X axis. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't figure out how to do that with the controller, so I just had to click one of the mouse buttons to get one of the achievements. Uh, okay. Which there's there's surprisingly a lot of uh, surprisingly a lot of game <laughs> that they've made out of it. It's kind of like Minecraft, where there's really nothing you have to do, and there's no reason to do anything. Yeah. But there's things that you can do, and they let you know what they are, and you're just like, shit, man, I want to do that. <laughs> For no reason. For no reason. <laughs> so you heard it here first. Uh, Goat Simulator is the spiritual successor to Minecraft. <laughs> and it's going to sell as many copies as Minecraft on as many platforms. Yeah, you're going to be able to go to, to Best Buy and buy the Goat Simulator card but in uh, stores. Unlike stupid Minecraft, you're going to play this shit on the Oculus. <laughs> Facebook be damned. Yeah. The the one greatest thing about this game, other than that it's the most accurate representation of a goat's life. A goat in a video game form. A goat. Which has never been done before. <laughs> never been yep. done before. Uh-huh. Um, is, was an interview that I heard with the guy who created it. Because it's, bas- it's a studio that made it, but it's basically, I think, one guy who conceived of it and who pushed it through. Yeah. And he was saying that um, right before they released this pre-order, uh, he said... You know, people are like, oh, is the game going to be ready? It's April 1st. You just announced it a few months ago. It's really quick. And he goes, you know, the game is full of crazy amount of glitches, but I'm not going to fix any of them except for the ones that crash your computer because they're hilarious. (laughs) (laughs) And they are really good. That's awesome. Yeah. For example, the way that you climb a ladder is you just like basically rise up like an elevator mm-hmm. but your legs are moving <laughs> your front legs <laughs> and your just, head is like banging against the ladder and yeah, stuff it's just flopping like there's completely different uh physics for the head as for the rest <laughs> of the body <laughs> so good how, how would you say you have beaten it like delved all the way into this the, no the layer layer secret thing absolutely not because there's like you just mentioned there's all these kind of crazy secret things that there's like the achievement board where it has like you know get the long jump like crash into a car then there's just kind of cryptic ones like a michael bay achievement ah yeah yeah um i saw that too so i I feel like i played it see it's amazing (laughs) but then there's like you fall into something and then you end up somewhere completely different in this completely different world that they really didn't need to make for no reason yeah and it's just hilariously awesome and so there's a bunch of things like that um then there's small things like you can go inside a building and you suddenly realize that you're in the building for the development company that made the game (laughs) that's so dumb (laughs) like like why (laughs) that's the entire game is a why question yeah that's only answered by playing it and having the best time and then understanding understanding yeah uh, well, I'll, I will definitely pick it up. I, I feel like I can. It's it like if nothing else, it's supporting like people who made something cool, who made something completely fucking weird for no reason, which should be supported. Like that that type of joke game. I, I feel like it should exist more than it does. Like Saints Row was a big thing for a really long time yeah. because oh you got to see this it's so weird look at where the story goes but that's where goat simulator is now we just need to get like the indie game version of like play this because it's fucking crazy <laughs> what you think the indie people would be the first one to pick that mantle up yeah well a lot of them just take it really serious yeah <laughs> it's like i'm going to devote 2 years of my life making a thing 
And also, you're a goat, and then you can like lick stuff and stick to it. And it's terrible. <laughs> it doesn't work. My wife left me months ago. <laughs> My kids won't talk to me. She was on board until I explained that it wasn't going to work. <laughs> intentionally (laughs) (laughs) because i couldn't give a fuck to fix it but i spent a lot of time making the goat look really good (laughs) there's a button where you could bah yeah yeah i heard that (laughs) it's if you go to if you would go to the room of the guy who made this bleat excuse me you can bleat that's what goats do right 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 there's um well bad i get the idea the onomatopoeia but uh if you go to the the design room of the guy who made the game or whatever it would be the left side of the wall is like references of goats and diagrams and then it's like checklists is like eats and run around and play and stuff and it would just gradually dissolve across the wall into like madness like a serial killer scribble like lines connecting other things and like pentagrams and and all this stuff like it would just start going off the rails i agree with that except for one big distinction is half the room is like amazingly uh detailed and specific to coding like you were saying and diagrams and things like that. The other side of the room is just an actual goat that he brought into his house <laughs> and put a wig on yeah. because his wife left him. His wife left. And now he calls his wife Cheryl after his wife, or the goat Cheryl, after his wife that's left him. Yeah. <laughs> Don't worry, Cheryl. I'm going to teach you how to talk. You're the only one who understands my vision, Cheryl. <laughs> no! Stop eating that can! Cheryl, where are you going? Get back here. You lick anything, right? <laughs> Let me see that tongue. I need to model it. <laughs> Put it to work. Yeah, not, I'm not spoiling anything and saying that there is goat uh, fellatio. I'm not saying there is. <laughs> but you should check out this I'm not game. saying. <laughs> but it's $10, man. That's two Starbucks. Yeah, exactly. So how does this game stack up to Saints Row? <laughs> so now let's get to the heart so of the matter. I'd say it's really the, the spiritual successor to Saints Row. And Minecraft. And Minecraft. And whatever else. Is it too early to talk game of the year? <laughs> I'd say it's the Bioshock Infinite of indie games right okay. now. The Thinking Man's. <laughs> the Thinking Man's Goat Sim. Goat Sim. The, I love that for even the still of the, the game, they use that same blocky half italic font. As that's on like farming simulator and <laughs> and tractor simulator train simulator like they they really dressed it up as an actual thing and I can't imagine the reaction of someone who has no idea like of of the video game weird zeitgeist stuff who just is scrolling through Steam one day and sees he's like oh I love simulators and there's like oh there's a new one and it's just like a picture of a goat with the same text like someone someone out in Kansas or whatever is just gonna be like I guess it's a new one I. <laughs> I'll get it, I guess. I, I, I hope I can accurately represent a goat. goat. I've never wanted to, but maybe it's cool. The most amazing thing about most of those simulators is that, is that they exist. They exist, and they're so earnest. Like The train simulators are so freaking detailed that they satisfy an urge that I've never had in my entire life. I never imagined. Like, Why would I want to be a conductor? Yeah. That's a really shit job. <laughs> the only time I've seen a conductor is when they're being held up in westerns. Like, It's not like an astronaut where it's like, oh, that guy gets like major poontang and yeah, can say yeah. he's like an astronaut. Do you get held up in train simulator? I, no. You literally... I've only played demos because... Oh, okay. That's another thing about it is it's you can tell that it's so earnest 
because they charge full fucking price for those games. Yeah. Like, even on Steam sale, it's $17. Like, enough that I would have bought as a joke. <laughs> if it was like a buck or two. Yeah. To send to everyone, but because it's $70, I don't want... It's not wor- It's not funny enough. Yeah, I suppose. Because it's so earnest. I did get Farm Simulator... I think it's Farming Simulator. Because of another video I saw where you just load up a tractor with a thing behind it and you got to go chop down all your crops and stuff. But then you can do it multiplayer and another person can work on the same farm or whatever. I think it was farming simulator or agricultural simulator. Is it like Animal Crossing where you have to wake up at like 6 (laughs) a.m.? I don't know about that. It's basically really shitty models of tractors and stuff. And then you get to kind of fake what you would do with them on a real farm. Did you buy it at all because you love Agricola? <laughs> no, I didn't. Uh, uh, I think I got it in uh, one of those bundles, a simulator bundle of some sort, which is why I have a hundred versions of really crappy racing sims that aren't name brand or anything, and then I have farming simulator and some sort of train simulator. Yeah, too. if it, if it hasn't already been attempted by SimCity or the Sim people like Sim Earth and Sim Life, mm. I don't really want it unless it's like <laughs> Goat Simulator. Well, Simant. This is this is the new generation of Simant. I I played the shit out of cement i'm not gonna lie <laughs> i've never seen or done anything with cement it was actually not fun but i played it a lot until i because that was in my period of time where it's like there weren't that many games that you had as a little kid so if you got one you, you had, had to commit to, f- to it fuck your way through it and just i wasn't even hit fuck i didn't know that i didn't really like it because yeah. it's just like this is gonna fill my time and i appreciate that i got sim earth yeah. And I didn't understand a goddamn thing about oh, it. so complex. And I just... The only enjoyment... I was like, well, I guess I gotta figure out what I like about this game. The only enjoyment I got was you could change your cursor to what animal you were dropping, and I would just drop whales on, like, <laughs> land on houses and stuff. And I'm like, ah, oh, look, that was probably really funny if you were actually there. <laughs> it's just... Because it makes this noise when you would put stuff down and be like... <laughs> so I just imagine, like... A whale slamming down onto this house in the middle of. So, could you imagine if the Tron universe was accurate, where like the control, like the players really do control <laughs> some inner universe in the computer, and you just created hell? Yeah, for some BC like god worshipping heathens in the middle like of some Pangea kind of like this computer system. Even if, even if they're just like player representations of concepts, you're dropping these dudes on. <laughs> For no fucking reason. <laughs> I was like, hey, look, I can drop whales. <laughs> what have I done to be punished, user? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Please, user, which is their god in this place. Their god, yeah. Please, help me. Why, why are you doing this? I don't even know if... I feel like that uh, Sim Earth was just like an ecosystem thing. It was a reach. That that was when they were going too far. Yeah. It, well, do you actually control stuff? It just it was like you put it all in a place and watch it kind of do a thing. Yeah, but I mean that's kind of like every Sim City and things like that. You're just putting stuff and then kind of letting shit happens. But that they had so many variables and so many things that you could do that they had to make the interface so complex and whales and whales. I I remember that was actually one that I I couldn't play for longer you know even as a kid i got it used for like 30 dollars and i was like oh what a deal and got home it's like i've heard of sim city people like that (laughs) that's that's exactly what's going to happen with goat simulator it's going to be like the people who are looking for that type of weird thing 
goats. Goat yeah, who, people who love goats, people who know it's a joke game and love joke games are going to buy it, and people who love simulator games and have no idea are going to buy it. It's it's got three markets that usually when you release something you're not going to be able to get you you can only get into one of those maybe yeah till Goat Simulator two comes out and it's like the biggest game ever it's full retail release sixty bucks I'm gonna say this though as like a joke game like a lot of joke games are one hit notes mm-hmm. you know or like concept games in general or postal like I'm sure we'll talk yeah postal god you know uh, jokes <laughs> are were there jokes in that game yeah you can shoot a a shotgun through a cat's asshole. It's hilarious. Was that right? Was it okay? Well, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'm guessing. Um, well, like joke games, like or even just concept games. Uh, like I'm sure we'll talk about it at some point. Stanley Parable and things like that, where it's like one idea that you're kind of playing through. This game is actually genuinely fun. Yeah, I had, I get so much visceral joy from running around as a goat, <laughs> and, like bleeding and knocking stuff and going. And then also, like I've talked about with adventure games, there's there's like weird stuff to discover mm-hmm. all over the place and there's like enough of achievements and if you are like an achievement whore mentality which i kind of have with certain games you'll get you'll definitely get ten dollars out get of it ten dollars out and i you know i'm gonna i'm gonna play this game definitely more than an hour it reminded me a lot a movie, of uh, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah two more than two hours which is more than a movie mm-hmm it, it, it reminded me a lot of pain. Did you ever play that? No. It was a, I think back on a, a PS3 launch or something. They did this study where it's, where they took a bunch of people and it's like, what do you want out of a game? Yeah. What is when so you're they pl- did the Am- what Amazon does to make their pilots. Or oh, Netflix yeah, yeah, yeah. does to make sorry Netflix does to make their pilots. They look they at what people one. are watching. Yeah, they yeah, just yeah. kind of like do straight metrics. Mm-hmm. They did that, and then Pain was the result of that. And basically, what that it game was an was, in-house. Um, it might have been published by Sony, but I don't think it was developed by Sony. Okay, but it was um, a giant slingshot that you fling a dude into this sandbox city and try to hurt him as much as possible before he stops moving. Okay. So you can control his arms where he'll grab onto buildings and ledges and cars and whatever, but that's all it was. It was like, you go, then I go, and you just launch a dude into a city, and then there was um, secrets you can find out. If you blow up this thing in a certain way, you can get inside the building or under into the train station and stuff like that. So even seeing... The video of Goat Simulator. I was like, that. It feels a lot like that, and I played the shit out of pain. <laughs> like I, I was probably one of the five people that bought all the, like the other uh, areas and expansion stuff, and I get it. Like <laughs> I don't. So two things to remark from that. Mm-hmm. One is, what the fuck does that say about PS3 owners? <laughs> that that's the type of game that came out of it that's what they the most like enjoyable that's the apex of game technology for people who own a ps3 mm-hmm. just like fuck it, this i think it was doll. just gamers in general oh. and like it was they were making something for ps3 it was, it was like what do you guys want to get out of a gaming experience and it was just like i want to launch a dude into a city and hurt him a lot okay i didn't get to my second thing uh but so i'm going to include this to three things which is going on a limb thing because i usually only stick to two okay <laughs> be careful be careful I'm gonna tread lightly. The uh, I definitely think they they fucking lied about that and fucked it up because if that were actually true, then the ragdoll dude that you'd be hurting would have humongous titties, yep, yep, yep. humongous tits that would have their own physics. There were other there were other characters you can be, and like they slowly added them in there. Yeah, and I think that there were a couple hot chicks. Of course, okay. But it they figured was, it out. They cracked the code. It's like a weird thing. It's like I'm gonna launch up, launch this beat in, and I'm gonna launch and beat on this hot chick. Uh, you say that, but 
I've been to a shooting range, and the Where last we beat up women I all went, the time. <laughs> no, I went to the the last one I went to. They had four different like off the beaten trail uh, gun targets. Oh yeah, there was like straight silhouette that was just fine. Mm-hmm. Then there was like the Go USA Osama bin Laden looking racist. <laughs> you yeah. know, like shoot this Arab looking dude because he's a terrorist. Yeah, and there was like stereotypical white guy with like a black uh, hoodie and like he's holding this like a woman robber or robber or whatever. He was, um, you say he was white? Yeah, it was a white dude hmm. because they were they were trying to be PC that way. <laughs> they didn't give a shit about Arabs because yeah. you know terror. yeah because terrorists. Um, but there and but then the last one they had was just a beautiful blonde woman <laughs> because people go in there and say. I really want to shoot a woman, and I want her to be hot. I want to shoot a hot woman, and that was the most used one. Like I saw really? the stacks, that was the most used. So just going back to that, that's I so do think weird. There is a market for hurting women for games. beating women. Yeah. So if <laughs> the that... Chris Brown game is coming out this fall, guys. <laughs> Goat Simulator, and then the next game that guy makes is uh, domestic domestic violence domestic simulator. Disturbance. Yeah, <laughs> domestic disturbance. Two K fourteen. You're just a judge who sits listening to uh, restraining order hearings to these women who have like it's it's almost like papers please where you just have yeah. to, like, stamp through. Stamp, and these, yep. These women come in with like big bruises on their faces, but like some of them are lying, so you have to kind of interrogate them. She fell into a doorknob for real. This for isn't real. a thing. So mm-hmm. like you don't want to screw the guy over but you really like you need justice to but he prevail. has a mustache so kinda if you screw up and the woman gets murdered the next day then your salary is oh, gonna yeah. go down you can't feed your family let's let's email the papers please guy <laughs> our new idea yeah, that's, I'm sure he'll want to touch it here's how to <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he'll want to really put his name on it domestic disturbance <laughs> Uh, well, that's Goat Simulator. You know, you can pick it up now. Game of the Year is is available already, so <laughs> check it out. It's uh, worth ten bucks, and no matter when you're listening to this, you can play it. Even yeah, even if it's not out, it's probably you, it's it'll out be by out. the time you're listening. To yeah, this, but, for sure. Um, Let's give away a game real quick before we yeah, go. Sounds good. All right, um, I'm gonna give away Space Kim, and uh, it also has DLC. So I'll, I'll read both those codes. Uh, Do you play Space Kim ever? I have it. I have not played it yet. Space Chem is the only game that I've played and started beating the puzzles of it, and yeah. I felt like a goddamn genius. Really? Oh my god! It is so good. It's uh, it's almost impenetrable to when you're looking at it and just watching somebody do it, but they have a really good curve that'll ease you into the how uh, they expect you to think about the problems and yeah. stuff. But describing it, what it actually is, no one would no one would play it well since i have it and you you seem to like it it's that's a good uh you know it's a good game to give out but uh i'm probably gonna play it then and we can yeah no no definitely definitely do it i i never beat it but i bought it on computer and i bought it on ipad yeah it's you know puzzle the puzzle genre stuff it's just like match threes or whatever or word games stuff like that this is one that I'd never played anything like it, and then I still have not seen anything that comes close to this type of thing. And it worked. And it worked. It's really, really cool. So, Space Cam, GXFYCTNEL2GPXR4. That's for Space Cam proper. Uh, If you already have Space Cam, 
BLN532NKNBV7L9F. Uh, that's for the 63 Core V DLC, which I think is only like a couple bucks if you buy it brand new. But um, still waiting on reviews for the. Free games, yeah. You guys, we only ask one thing for free games, or actually, you could do one of two things. Either please send us an email with a review or just telling us, you know, thank you, I've enjoyed it, I'm going to play it, or something. Mm hmm. Uh, the second thing, go on iTunes and put a review there or put oh, anything put, there. Put your review of the game on the iTunes review. Yeah. For perfect. the show. Also perfect. give the show five stars. Also five stars. Yeah, five stars. Very really good. Space Cam, uh, we'll see you guys next time. Okay. Uh, if you have any emails, you can email us at wazpod. Mm-hmm. Wazpod at gmail. Gmail.com. And uh, you can join our Steam group. It's Wazpod. It's bumping. Yep. Yeah, also Wazpod. It's, it's actually going off. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we're probably going to get a lot more involved in that. Um, as soon as work, day job clears yeah, up. <laughs> post some stuff, maybe do some game stuff. Uh, you know, game stuff. Game stuff. Uh, you can reach uh, Joey on Steam at Clockface. Or, no, not at. It's not Twitter. So it's, just, just just at, at Clockface. Okay, fine. at yeah. Clockface. Yeah. I'm at Dibno, D-Y-B-N-O. Uh, so feel free to friend us or say what's up. Can't promise we'll be able to respond to yeah. per- PMs or whatever they call them. Yeah, chats all if the you time. have something serious to say, just email it to us. We'll, <laughs> yeah. we'll say it on If you the want us to talk about a game or whatever, it's, yeah. it's better to have an email because we'll forget. If you just send it in the chat. Okay. See you next time. See ya. Hello? Matt. Yes? This is Joey Reinish calling from the Explosive Magico Podcast Network. The Explosive Magico Podcast Network? The the very same. Wow. Yeah, yeah. We need a shorter thing so we can shout at each other. <laughs> so, uh, you guys have recorded three episodes, right? Three? We have three episodes and a minisode, and I think that's it. Yeah? How does, it, how does it feel so far? You feel like you're doing the Lord's work? You know, I don't think Michael Bay has enough defenders. Yeah? So, you know, thank God we can step up and uh, really give him the, uh, the support and help he deserves. Yeah, as you guys say in your, what is it, you call it a byline? Like your, your tagline is people who actually like action movies? That's us. Yeah. Do you... we, uh, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of movie podcasts out there, and... Uh, None of them really seem to like action movies. They uh, they have a couple pet action movies that they always like to defend and say, "Oh, that's a good one," or "This is one of the good ones." But um, the we, safe uh, ones. We always felt that as a genre, it had its own rules, so we tried to explore it within the confines of its own rules. Mm-hmm. Do you do you, do you see a, an action movie ever winning like Best Picture or anything like that, or is it kind of doomed like comedies? To just be, uh, it is a tough road to hoe. I think I think the the closest an action movie would sneak in are like your Bravehearts and your Gladiators, uh-huh. where people you know actors get to dress up in costumes and they get to build giant sets, and then everyone's like, oh, they worked really hard. I I, I really believe that was Rome. <laughs> um, sure. I think I think that I think that's everyone's best shot. What What about the Raid Two this year? Well, here's the problem with the Raid Two is. If it won Best Picture, we would just have to stop the Academy Awards. It would be uh, it would be done. It would be finite. It, it is it is the zenith of cinema. Sure, sure. There's 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 no reason to make another movie until the Raid Three at that point. Well, yeah, we're basically we're basically done. I think we should just go back and revisit the rich history that led up to the top of the mountain that is the Raid series. <laughs> Great. So uh, I'm going to have to. Move along here, or this show's going to be like six hours long. So, do you guys have any uh, 
like big plans for climax just keep doing what you're doing like what is what is the the big things you have on the horizon that you want to dive into for the the show it being relatively new uh we want to work harder on finding our voice and then uh figuring out a way to keep the show from being three hours long (laughs) probably not uh probably stop recording after lol jk when everyone is super hammered would would probably help some I feel that would uh, hurt uh, us finding our voice. <laughs> sure. Uh, no one wants to listen to us sober. Yeah, right. We certainly can't. We, we, all three hosts certainly can't stand being in the room at the same time as each other sober. Without the liquid courage. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a little behind the scenes from the Explosive Magic Pro podcast broadcast network. <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks for all the great three episodes and mini-sode thus far. Uh, thanks for taking a chance on our show. Caramel <laughs> Shop sucks. <laughs> Noted. All right. Thanks, Matt. No problem. Bye. And welcome to the Minnesota of Climax. Climax! Climax! I am Matt Lohman. I'm Kyle McVeigh. Nick Allen. And uh, it's, a, it's a milestone episode. It's another Absolutely. milestone. It's a uh, huge milestone. The first anniversary, uh, first Minnesota for the first anniversary of the Explosive Magico brand. You know, a lot of podcasts Absolutely. die off without getting to the Minnesota. I mean, we... <laughs> We, I mean, we did three episodes. We got the mini sode and we skipped right to the mini sode. Uh, we were the first, That's like, mm. first all action movie podcast. Uh, I mean, with it, the mini sode, probably. If you if you listen to an Explosion Magical podcast, regardless of which one of us it is, you're gonna you're gonna hear a milestone. Um, they're all earth shatteringly important to the human condition. Absolutely, I think we can agree on that. Any one of them, pick them up. Except for Paranoia Shop. So we got to see the raid two a couple days ago, oh, and uh, yeah, we did. Yeah. Uh, we I, saw the hell out of it. I'm gonna throw this out there. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna say it. Action masterpiece. Yes, I I don't think that's hyperbole. I, I don't think so. It's, I think it's fair to say that we all liked it very much, quite a bit. Yeah, we much liked it. Uh, my adrenaline was doing air karate at a rock concert <laughs> inside my body. Like we we got back uh, to the apartment and Nick was like, "Yeah, I think I'm all violenced out." <laughs> then, he, then he puts in Tombstone. <laughs> I, I was like, be I like just, and then he put in Tangled. I was like, I just need just to calm down other. and watch water settle by putting in Tombstone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. After that, uh, my girlfriend went with us and we were just like. Once we left your guys' apartment, we were just like, well, I guess we should go watch paint dry now. Yeah. Or something. Just, like, God which, forbid, something that gets our heart rate up. Which planet Earth disc does nothing die on? <laughs> <laughs> like, I think the freshwater Which is the one, one with the ducklings? Freshwater. I think it might fresh be freshwater. Because any cause, violence you watch just won't be as intense as what we just witnessed I, all at once. See, I was too sensitive to it. I was like, I had to leave the room during Tombstone when they got to the... When Wyatt Earp <laughs> lost it and started shooting everybody. Yeah. No. It's like I'll just go to bed. Oh yeah, I gotta go. I'll, I'll tap out. I can't. I'm fucking done. I can't even deal with this. Hell's coming with me. All right. Good night. <laughs> All right. So here's some raid facts. It takes place two hours after the first movie, and then the director Gareth Evans announced that the raid three will begin three hours before the raid two finished. <laughs> So stuffs stuffs being moved around, stuffs getting pushed into place. Uh, for that, I mean, so this movie 
basically takes place across like a long weekend. This whole series <laughs> is just, just stuff that just happens on like the Indonesian MLK Day. Well, it's pretty. I mean, the raid two covers but it spans years. two years. Yeah. yeah. Well, it doesn't span it. It just kind of two years happens Poor pretty quick. Poor you get to see a giant fight, and they're like two years later. <laughs> all right, good. We'll, we'll, we'll save you all that. So, <clears throat> this was written, directed, and edited by a Welshman, Gareth Evans, born in 1980. He has a degree in script writing, and he made a micro-budget film called Footsteps, and it got him a gig as a freelance director shooting a documentary about Pen... Pentecock, oh god, my terrible handwriting. Salat. Oh, yeah. Uh, which is the martial art in Indonesia. And he fell in love with the country and he saw Iko Uwais uh, perform uh, Salat and decided that this young man was his muse. <laughs> and every, which he was correct. And every movie he's made since Footsteps has involved Iko Uwais, who, uh, was, who taught Salat, but his, his day job was he was a delivery guy for a phone company. For, oh, he's a delivery guy for justice. No, <laughs> no, he he didn't realize sure? his calling. So so uh, Gareth Evans was like, "You're a beautiful man. You're a beautiful man. You have the grace of a deadly gazelle, <laughs> and I'd like to put it on film. Sign a contract with me for five years, and let's just make shit." <laughs> and that's what they did, and it, it worked out really well for everybody. Uh, he was able to quit his job and support his family uh, doing this, and then um, he's also the fight choreographer along with uh, the Mad Dog from the first one. Whose name is uh, Yayan Ruhian, who was born in 1968 and is a monster. Yeah, he's Glad a terrifying he man. Glad he was back. He's genuinely terrifying. Okay, so Gareth Evans' first movie was Footsteps, then he went and he made Marantau uh, with Eco Ways. And Marantau's uh, the growth uh, from Marantau to Ray 2 is exponential. But uh, Marantau is um, certain sections of uh, Indonesia. It's their version of, like, the Amish Rumspriga, but instead of going out into the world to resist secular technology, yeah, you uh, go out to get experience and learn a trade, and then okay. in Marantau, he learns that his trade is delivering elbow strikes to people's necks. <laughs> which um, I think is fair. Which I think is a, is a great plot. So then, he wanted to make, uh, Gareth Evans wanted to make uh, the movie that is The Raid 2, mm-hmm. but he couldn't get the budget. So he went back and simplified it and made The Raid. Yeah. And then basically just added the undercover cop to his his other movie and made it the raid too. Oh, that's the dream. <laughs> yeah, I'm just going to drop this guy in. <laughs> yeah, here. that's fine. Um, so as I said, the abilities in his his filmmaking and like how good it got from Marantau to the raid to the raid 2 is exponential. Absolutely. When just from the it's raid to raid two is like is, it, is an film. insane leap in terms of just masterful filmmaking. Like I mean, looks wise, they both they both look great. This one looks phenomenal, but more what he has in this one than in raid redemption is he has actors acting in it like he they, he he does this beautiful building of tension and then he he lets the characters grow and then gives them a reason to fight and then he has them beat the living fuck out of each other and then you get another break and then you get to learn more about them and he builds up the tension to the point to where they have to murder each other and then you get to watch them murder each other again <laughs> so it's like this really for lots of murder yeah it's a really nice ebb and flow that the first movie didn't quite have because the first movie once it kind of starts lots of freedom there's a lot of development. uh the it's pretty much just just headlong action scene to action scene. Well, well I remember I it's it's a, it's it's the movie's two and a half hours long. Mm-hmm. It's an hour longer than the the first raid. And it it feels like it but in the best way. Mm-hmm. I I went back and then um 
I woke up. We saw it Friday. I woke up Saturday and I watched the the Raid Two trailer again, and I was like, "Oh yeah, he went to prison." <laughs> that felt like a lifetime ago. Holy so shit. much happened. Yeah, I can't believe that's in the same movie. <laughs> it's like it's like I buried that because it yeah. was such a brutal brutal time in his life, mm-hmm. and then I just started having these forced flashbacks. <laughs> He remembered God, his life. That, yeah. That opening shot, or that one of the scenes in the prison where it's just raining and they're all underneath the shelters in this big square and it's just raining and this, there's fields getting muddy. Yeah, you I see just, it in the trailer. It's the, it's the, it's the mud pit. Yeah, yeah. I just turned to Kyle. I go, oh, this is going to be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's so cool because, like, it, once again, which I, he does this, he did this beautiful, subtle thing where, like, he, he had Rama, the main character, Seeing the guys with the shivs across the way. Yeah, noticing like a, you know, they're like, giving oh, signals shit. that the guard's away, and then the yeah. crap guard's over. And it was just like this beautiful building of tension. You knew the fight was going to happen, but it was nice to have that build-up and realization that really only our hero had that like shit was about to go down. Yeah, it was kind of interesting. Is It almost felt... So the first one, he's this lone cop. Uh, the SWAT team's either uh, been scattered or destroyed, depending on which part of the movie you're at. <laughs> and We're and thrown he, in the back and, of the SWAT truck, and he's actually like, he's super vulnerable because he's by himself in this building surrounded by bad guys. Yeah. And then I watched this, and I was like, I cared so much for the character. I wanted him back in the building, where at least there were like walls and stuff around <laughs> him that he could back into. Like being in that wide open space, I was like, Yeah. Oh, he's fucked. I oh, think, that- that was like the coolest part about this movie and compared to the first one was like you know as opposed to the first movie which is him fighting to the top of a building in these very confined spaces you he had these huge spaces to play with which led to some of my favorite one of my favorite parts about this movie that's that there was a lot of throwing of things to create (laughs) space Mm -hmm. which is how i would fight in that situation (laughs) like oh just chair he threw water jugs uh, pallets that were he he threw rocks on a man's face. Yeah. Yeah, there, there was there was there was one part where he threw like an empty like five gallon water jug at a guy, <laughs> and the guy like it looked like he got clotheslined by it. And I was like, but those things aren't very heavy. And I was like, if I saw something the size of a five gallon jug, I'd probably throw myself <laughs> to the ground. And then by the time that guy like recovered ex- from his embarrassment, yeah, yeah. Rama was stepping on his neck. Yeah, like it, it's, it's it's an effective tactic. <laughs> I would just expect the worst. Oh yeah, that's probably full of water too, coming my way. Yep. Yeah, he's, he's, he's definitely that strong. Yeah. Um, and then like, uh, so it's as, as Nick uh, said, this was a beautiful movie. Mm-hmm. It's so well framed. It's gorgeous. And the use of color and light, like, I can't believe it's the same guy from Marantau to the raid to this. Yeah. Like he's just grown so much. Yeah. Um, and every fight scene felt felt different and unique and advanced the story. Yeah. It's kind of amazing. And it, you get a. And you get a car chase. Yeah. Well, that was the beauty of it. I mean, that was the nice thing that... I mean, if you're... Shows off in some Raid different one, chops. Just the setting is constricting in general, because you're not going to get to do a lot. It's gonna just going to be a lot of close quarters, tight combat. And in this one, he got run of an entire city. Yeah. And he just was like, oh, yeah, I can do all this stuff that I wanted to do now. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have an awesome club fight, and I'm going to murder people in the streets, and I'm going to have an awesome car chase, and everyone's going to have a fucking weapon... Which is awesome. Like <laughs> other action directors probably watch this movie and they're just like, like going in, they're like, okay, he's got hand to hand down, mm-hmm. that's fine. Yeah, but we can still do bigger action. We can do car chases. Like yeah. he doesn't have that in his tool set. He absolutely has yeah. that. In yeah, his tool that's set. his thing. Like they use the cars in this movie 
like they were fighters. Like they're trading blows mm-hmm. and like trading paint or whatever from uh, yeah. Days of Thunder and like maneuvering each other into place. Like they shot the car chase like a fight scene. There's a point in which yeah. at the end Rama uses a car as a weapon. Just <laughs> it was like awesome. it was great. He it was just so great. He just run over motherfucker. Like it was his weapon. It was just an extension of him. But the the car chase is shot beautifully. And if you haven't seen the behind the scenes, uh, which is on YouTube for the car chase, there's stuff, two parts, and they're both on YouTube. Nuts. The way they shot it, like just like a lot of handheld stuff, people passing like there's, cameras. There's a moving camera, camera shot people. that goes from inside a car out, yeah, and then back into a car following them. And one take. And like, what's interesting is. Uh, when you watch like Western behind the scenes movies, like even um, in our Marco Bay episode, we talked about uh, the trailer uh, car chase mm-hmm. and how amazing it was. And they did so previs for months and stuff, and actually threw cars. And they invented like a camera mobile that whose job was to crash into the cars and get those shots and stuff. And then, then they're like, oh yeah, we we CG'd the the boat, and then we CG'd this, and then we added cop cars in post. And then you watch like behind the scenes on Eastern action movies, and it's like uh, we just threw cars at other cars. Um, the, 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 the scene the scene Nick described is they literally just passed the camera to different cameramen on moving vehicles. Yeah. Like they probably there was no had CG, one like, there was no the, cheat, like mm-hmm. sorry Nick, you're saying? They probably had one like when it came to the second car behind them, there was no one else in that car. Mm-hmm. But yet it, the camera went inside and moved around. Like, was there a a, a little man hi- hiding down behind the seat? I don't see or? why not. I mean, there's a tiny man. Like, we all we all love movies. We're all yeah. in the entertainment industry. Mm-hmm. We're fairly jaded uh, yeah. in terms of very hard to impress. Every 90 seconds, they're going, how the fuck did they do that? That's, yeah. How the fuck did they do like, that? Even... Like Kyle said, in this movie, they could expand their world. But even when it is close and tight, like in the prison, he fights in a bathroom stall. And yeah. they impressed you with that. Like, yeah. you want to explain how they did it with the behind the scenes? They basically the- they basically uh, popped the walls off the, the toilet stall. And then they had movers on both sides of the walls that choreographed with the fight team and the DP. So the wall would move as the cameraman came in and the other side would hold. And then they would just... They would basically like if it's it's unnoticeable. Like I looked for yeah, it watching the movie, and then but if you watch the behind the scenes, they're constantly moving the walls around the cameraman. Just a beautiful ballet. It's a just beautiful a, a, ballet. A fist and throat kicks. <laughs> it I. <laughs> What a good movie. So enjoyable. <laughs> um, and then I think one of the things that makes this like truly an action movie is there's such an economy of character. Um, mm-hmm. There are some characters we only see for two or three scenes. Yeah. But we get a feel for them. Mm-hmm. Like, we, we instantly know, like, what this guy's deal is. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's just... Because there's, like, three different assassins. Um, Batboy, <laughs> Hammer Girl, and then generic Salat guy. Yeah. Who's so badass, who's he doesn't need to have a thing. Yeah. But as oh, he had, no, he had Raptor. He had, Raptor. he had the Raptor claws. Oh, yeah. And the awesome tracksuit. Yeah. But he, but he never opened with it. Yeah. yeah, he never opened. He only went to Raptor claws when necessary. When he was finally done toying with them. Yes. <laughs> um, but it's like, as soon as the character's there, like, you get a feel for, like, their swagger, their ability. Like, everyone in this movie just exudes like dangerous and like mm-hmm. their character traits and stuff um going back to kyle's earlier comment where like everyone's acting like there's so much character in this movie yeah and if it was just stuntmen i mean you'd lose that yeah absolutely well it was nice it i mean the big difference is 
and I think a lot of people that are going to see this movie already know this, but I mean, it it's basically the director's version of The Godfather. He wanted to make a <laughs> sweeping crime epic. About family, ambition, yeah, uh, the toll violence takes on the soul. It's crazy, and it was a... It, the huge through line I mean he succeeds at it but it was really interesting uh, you're the main uh, who's the mob boss's kid what's his name uh, it's Uko it's Uko 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 what was it Ucho? It, it's spelled oh. U-C-O but everyone says it Uko Uko but Uko is like this insanely tragic character whose through line is just how ambition ruins you yeah and like not knowing your place in the world is like and not being happy Happy with what you have will fuck you up. But, like, it was this, like, he, you know, in the midst of this insane action drama, you have this guy who you feel as a villain and also just as a person because every single person in his life is using him. Like, at no point, in the by the end of this movie, you're like, that's really sad. Mm-hmm. He was never going to get what yeah. he wanted. Everyone mm-hmm. wanted to... At, at, you know, like, at no point was he in control of his life. Yeah, yeah. not well, at all. He look, was set down a path of fuckery. Yeah, looking back on it now, in the prison, like, if he was truly his, his dad's son, if he was truly a boss... Mm-hmm. There would be no uh, danger for him in prison. He would have been running that. But instead, he actually had to fight for his life in prison. And it seemed to me that he was on the... Until he got uh, Rama, he was on the losing end of that. Yeah, he was just kind of staying one step ahead of them. The the, the Uko's dad, uh, Bangua, was an incredible actor. Yeah, he was um, great. I've, I've not really seen this guy in anything else. And I watch a lot of, you know, kung fu movies. And this guy, like... He just brought so much quiet menace mm-hmm. uh, to the role. Like he was a guy, and they, they talk about him in his youth and like the fire in his belly and uh, the violence he did and how people he was were so a afraid of him. You cheered for him, but yeah. it's like you felt that, and he never showed it. Yeah, except for one scene, but it was always there. Uh, it's just. I mean, everyone just stepped up their game. Yeah. The action, the way they shot it, the actors, the story, everything just went up. Can we talk about Homeless and how I almost cried when he... Okay, so the... the, (laughs) Talking about... The main henchman, the main henchman, uh, Yayan Ruyan, who um, played Mad Dog in the first movie, and they brought him back to play a different character. Yes. Uh, Wisely. Wisely. Thank God. And he, um, you know, you sit there and you have these, like, scenes with him that don't concern rama at all yeah but the payoff is so worth it and like mm-hmm. what he means to the movie what he means to the story what he means through the through line of what the director's trying to say yeah like that character is vital mm-hmm. and then he also stabs a man 19 times in the neck with a broken bottle yes he does mm-hmm. that's amazing <laughs> that you can do all of that with that character he had like, this very sad arc yeah, and he didn't it, see much of him, but they made you fucking make sure that you cared about him before they murdered and him he's, off. And he's and he's dropping is, bodies. Yeah, he's okay. just leaving people broken everywhere. His, his first fight, show of action. His target has like fifteen henchmen between he, he and them, and he mows through them. He's carrying a machete, but he doesn't use it until he gets <laughs> yeah, to yeah. his target. He, he has <laughs> a giant fucking knife. Yeah. He's just like you guys. Don't, if you he did use it, it was just I, like I'm a handle. Yeah. This. I, I want to break you. I don't want to yeah. slice you. Um, so, and then the other, uh, I want to bring this up, is uh, Hammer Girl, uh, Julia Stell. Stop. She's, uh, Hammer Girl. She did a couple of horror movies uh, in Eastern cinema. Uh, French-American parent, Chinese-Indonesian parent. She had no fighting background. Really? Period. She trained for six months under Mad Dog. But, oddly Jesus. enough, a lot of carpentry experience. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> which came up. Um, I'm probably more afraid of her than anyone else. She, uh, this movie, yeah. because she just had this absence of personality. Yeah. Like, she just kind of sat there and, like, had no energy to her mm-hmm. until the hammers came out. Well, it was great. Uh, here's what I liked about this movie. Uh, like, they had our main bad guys, Beju's lieutenants, all, like, and this is complete action movie 101. Like, you didn't, they didn't, you didn't get a lot of time to spend with these guys that were his lieutenants, so he gave them all a unique weapon. And a unique silhouette. Yeah. And so you instantly knew how to, they were instantly memorable. You could differentiate between them all. Mm-hmm. And they had all, each had their own thing that, I mean, if you don't have the time to actually build a character, like, it's a nice way to give them the illusion of personality. It's like the predator like, of bad guys. Yeah. Exactly. So, like, you had, like, I think more than anyone, it really worked for the uh the bat guy the guy that was using the the bat he just wanted he, his ball back yeah he had a great shtick and like you were just like that's weirdly menacing and it shouldn't be <laughs> he, he hits baseballs at people and then mostly murders them with an aluminum bat but like god those sound and, but like the thing that i found in this movie because in the in the first one, they didn't really use weapons all that often. I mean, there's that great hallway battle where he's murdering people with a baton and a knife, mm-hmm. and there are machetes, but, like, I don't know, there was something about, like, Hammer Girl and Bat Boy, like, in that final hallway scene in this movie, like, I was, like, genuinely worried that our main character was gonna die. Yeah. Because everyone swung those weapons with, like, abandon. Well, there's there's a story where they train for six months together. Not even choreographing, because the choreography for the movie took 18 months really? to prep all the fight scenes. Oh, but Jesus. they trained together, like, worked out and, like, practiced and stuff mm-hmm. for six months so that if anybody accidentally hit each other... Yeah. They would be easier to forgive. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. And then there's also a quick story I'll throw in there where they would stop the fighting mm-hmm. every once in a while for like a half hour. Yeah. So the makeup team could add effects of like the brutal, the brutality of the fights. Oh, that's because oh, like cool. the fights, everyone, everyone, everyone carries damage. Yeah. Like it's not like the Jackie Chan red splotch. No, it's like oh he got punched in the up. face like. It looks devastating. Yeah. It's it's like, I never want to get into a fight again. I never want to know. No, no, no. Not if it can uh-uh. go like that. No. Never, <laughs> ever again. And then, uh, what's interesting, and I just mentioned Jackie Chan, is they shot these movies kind of with the same philosophical pen as they shoot Jackie Chan movies, where the fight scenes follow a three-act structure. Mm-hmm. You have the introduction, where we get to know oh, God, all the players. Then you have so true. Then you have the second-act twist, where yeah. things either go one way or another, and then the third, and then it ends. Yeah. And then you find out something about a character, or... Or a player is removed from the board, yeah. and it's uh, you realize how important it is to do that and not just have an awesome fight scene. Yeah, it needs to matter. It needs to have I mean, stakes. It needs to have its own little story. In the kitchen in it. fight, yes. Which, so this movie ends. The last twenty minutes of this movie is three fight scenes that are basically one after the other, <laughs> and two of them, the second and third ones, on their own, could be in the top five all time. You could argue easily. for them to be in the top five all time easily, and he just does them within ten seconds of each other. Yeah, it's astonishing um, that he. That it's mixed up enough, not only in the environments but the way the fights are handled and the way they're shot, mm-hmm. that it doesn't become repetitive and boring. Like your brain no. doesn't check out because you're invested heavily. It just becomes, I don't know, the the way that he set this up, it, he literally drives Rama to a point to where he's like, someone says to him, the only way that you make it out of this and your family's <laughs> safe is by going 
and murdering everyone, everyone involved. Well, it's it's which he goes and does. Well, no, they're like, yeah, you just you have to disappear. You can't fight them all. Yeah, because the only way this stops is if they're all dead. Yeah. So Cut I guess one head I, so off I guess another you, pops up. So I guess you just have to go into hiding. Yeah. And what he got from that was, if I go and kill them all, I don't have to go into hiding. <laughs> Which is uh, what you want out of your action hero. Um, what I love about this movie is, uh, and I mentioned this before, is uh, these two movies uh, by Jose Pagillo, who did the RoboCop remake, uh, Elite Force or Tropa do Elite. I think the second one, Enemy Within, is still on Netflix uh, for streaming. And they are excellent movies, but they're like movies about corruption and how systems fail people. It's like The Wire is like a two and a half hour film. Mm-hmm. But there's you know there's gunfights, but they're like realistic gunfights, and people always use those as like a thinking man's action movie. And they're great, but they're not an action movie. And this is like that thinking man's action movie. Mm-hmm. Like here's your story, here's your character progression, here's everyone acting their balls off. Mm-hmm. Like this is it. Like, yeah. like if if you if you consider yourself like a smart movie goer, and and like you and you and you don't see this, uh, I feel like you're kind of letting yourself down. Yeah, it's something that you have to. I mean, even if action and like and gore isn't really your thing, it, it's never like gory for the sake. I don't know how to describe it because I, I think some people would be turned off by the violence, and you can't help that. Mm-hmm. It's a very hyper violent movie. Yes. And they make, I mean, the nice thing about this movie is that they, everything hurts. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not like an action movie where it's just like, every little, oh, that guy every over there got slice. shot. It's like, no, I, when I punch you, your nose broke. Yeah. And you are dead or can't ever breathe through that orifice again. Or you see movies where there's like a knife fight mm-hmm. and there's not a mark on anybody yeah. except for the last one where it gets plunged into the heart. Mm-hmm. And people here get cut on their legs, they get cut on their arms. There's a scene like, where... oh, I slit this muscle. You can't use yeah. your arm there anymore. Yeah. So, like, so, real fast, he basically, uh, Gareth Evans basically took his crime epic, inserted Rama as the cop, as the undercover. Then he added the taxi fight. Oh, God. Which is based on a true story. Wait, what is that? What... What the fuck is that story? Where like for him, just murdered him. For someone he, he heard a story about someone got into a cab, and then then they jumped him when he couldn't defend himself because he's inside the cab. Wow! And like inside the cab, like like they break off the windows and then they stab at Rama yeah. to kill him, and like he ends it covered in cuts on his arms and legs mm-hmm. as he tries to get away, and it's. Uh, you know, like I said, there's usually in a knife fight, it's, everyone's just like dodging the knives. Yeah. But even in the first one, you see those little cuts on his forearm yeah. when he's knife fighting with dudes, and it's like <laughs> actions have consequences. Yeah, absolutely. And you feel them, which is what I love about these movies is that you feel them every time. Like it, like the amount of times during a fight that everyone in the theater is just like, ah! <gasps> oh, God. everyone's like, oh, or ooh. Like, like when a main character, not even, not even the hero, Yeah, when a main character that we've been watching for two hours like gets cut or gets shot in the arm, the entire house is like, <gasps> <gasps> like including bad guys. Yeah. <laughs> they were heavily invested. Like, <laughs> no! Oh, God! <laughs> that person I've gotten to know. Um, but it, it's just, I've read a couple reviews where it's like, 
this movie's too long or it's too ambitious. And I wonder if it's just kind of like, how dare they try to make an action movie that sort of says something, that this says the things this movie tries to say. Um, and I would have been perfectly happy if they would have just kept all the same guys, mm-hmm. all the same fight choreographers, and put it in a different building. Yeah. I would have been fine. We would still be having a conversation like this said, the raid too, the building yeah. next door. Yeah. Next. Like, I would have been perfectly happy with that, Nick. Like, I would, we would, I would still be talking this excited about the movie. Yeah. But he's, he's like, I don't want to remake that movie. It'd be ridiculous to try and recapture that magic. So let's do some. I new think magic. that's a great I example of something of that. that does and then goes beyond that. They dark knighted it. It it's absolutely it took the hype it, and sh- gave you new hope. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, can we just talk about that last fight? Good. Because if we're going to talk about anything specifically, we should just talk about that last sequence. Kitchen, kitchen Be, fight. Like the kitchen fight. Uh, you I'm, see the very beginning of it in the trailer where they kind of scooch at each other. Yeah. And uh, that act one is great. That is like, that is Tournament style. the quintessential, like when, when you were bringing it up, that each fight scene has a beginning, middle, and end. The three act fight. That is a fucking, like short film yeah it's crammed into a fight scene because it, it starts out he's kind of fucking with rama and keeps bringing him down like Just tournament style his, his and the then pool, he gets like yeah. one good rama gets one good fucking lick in and the guy's like fuck no and this guy's like he's got for he's got this cool demeanor yeah and then rama hits him mm-hmm. and it just shatters yeah like like he doesn't he's he's so not used to them getting that first fight mm-hmm. that his character almost completely changes into like this rage beast yeah and it affects how he fights like yeah. his style adjusts to like his emotions as yeah. does rama's like as it gets more and more uh uh fuck what it just gets intense it, it uh, gets more and more desperate primal desperate, primal more desperate. yes yeah. primal desperate uh yeah, it's just fuck, man. That last fight, it's intense. I mean, it, like that build, it, and then that uh, it's there's an Italian word for it, <laughs> you know crescendo. Yeah, this crescendo of almost like a boxing movie where you're just dealt blow by blow, and you're yeah, really not sure if four. he's gonna. Yeah. Well, it was really cool that they by the end of it, they were both so tired that the camera tightened in on them, mm-hmm. and the action was taking place in a much tighter area because yeah. they weren't running around the room; they were too tired. And they were just slamming each other's head into this fucking, <laughs> just like this metal shelving. Yeah. And just kept, I, I don't know, I loved it. it like, the style. The shooting style with, changed. Yeah. Yeah. With the fight. And it was beautiful. Which, uh, I was going to say, my girlfriend brought up, when they're fighting in the uh, the car, and he's fighting those guys in the SUV, and they mm-hmm. do that, that eagle-eye oh, yeah. yeah, POV down, yeah. and they do this beautiful thing where this. I mean, I know it's obvious, but if you're going to do that shot, they re-choreograph the fight so Rama is... That is the best shot for that action. Yeah. Like, he's facing the camera and kicking and punching everyone. Yeah, that that, that final fight scene is, just going back to what Kyle said, the way they they adjust everything for the fight. Like, you get back to, you get back to, like, that cramped, uh, claustrophobic hallway shooting. Mm -hmm. The hallway fight, like, to the second to last fight, and then the first act of the last fight is large. It's pulled back. It's clinical, yeah. so you can see everything. Mm-hmm. And then Act 2, where they finally get desperate and start throwing each other through stuff, it gets much more chaotic. And then that last one is they're just... It's right there. Like You almost yeah. see the knives go in the body. Yeah. It's awful. <laughs> All right, so 
Um, we're going to wrap it up now with our mini-sode. <laughs> I give this my, my highest possible recommendation. If you see this movie and you don't like it, um, you may just may not want to take any more recommendations from me. Because this is like a perfect movie for <laughs> just, me. You just don't get us? We don't get you? It, I mean, no, no harm, no foul. But just, I don't know. You know, just, you just walk <laughs> away. But The Raid 2 has uh, by far our highest recommendation right now. So great. Uh, fuck, I want to go see it again. I'm still riding the high. <laughs> Let's go. What if we see it again and it just right sucks? Now. We're like, what? We're Shut up, Nick! Heresy. Thank you for listening to Climax. If you like this episode, uh, we have others. Uh, they're much longer and we're much drunker. Um, they're on the Explosive Magico, uh, on the iTunes, <laughs> or on the Feed Burner. Maybe we'll get a Tumblr. I don't know. Thank you for listening. Phil, this is Joey calling from the Explozo Magico Podcast Network. This is it's Joey calling from the Explosive Magico Podcast Network. No, I don't want any. So, Phil, I have a question. Um, how has it been? Well, potentially nothing. How how has quitting Explosive Magic Show to follow your dream of starting and running Phil gone for you? Uh, couldn't be better. Yeah? You really feeling like the creative freedom, doing it with Frank? Well, he only, Frank only shows up occasionally. So occasionally um, meaning one of the two episodes. Yeah. So we're running at about a, a 50% uh-huh. right now. Yeah, I'm, I'm unemployed now, so I don't really have anywhere to go. <laughs> so is this the end of I'm Phil not- already? I think we might go on a hiatus. Okay. <laughs> So does that mean Explosive Magic Show's coming back? Uh, you'd have to ask Joey. Okay. Well, this is Joey calling from Explosive Magic, a podcast network. I could I could probably answer. Well, then you can ask yourself the question, I suppose. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, this is a preview of what it would be like if Explosive Magic Show came back. Press 1 now if you would like to see that. Or like to hear that. All right, great. So, so you Phil, called yourself? Oh, hang on. I gotta. All right, there we go. All right, so that's. Did you, that... uh, did you hear my sound? Yeah, I did. Okay, good. Yeah, we got two votes, so I think that's enough. All right, so that means I guess while we're both unemployed, we'll at least record one episode of Explosive Magic Show at some point in the next three months. We should probably just record the Christmas episode now. That's a good point. And then release it next 4th of July. Not the coming 4th of July. But the, you know, two 4th of July's from now. I don't think anyone's doing that yet. I don't think so. So do you have any anything you want to say to tee up your, your mini-sode? Um, I don't know. At least one person is listening. Yeah? So maybe maybe you could make it two. All right, Phil. Well, that, uh, we'll see you, I guess, whenever we record that thing. Driving to work while talking to your Hinsville. Hello, and welcome to a special edition mini-sode of Phil. Uh, as many of you know, uh, fans of the show, I usually take you along with me on my ride into work in the morning. A little 
commute time fun? Well, it is not the morning. This is actually my drive home from work. Uh, so I am dubbing this Phil Nights. Uh, the headlights are on. The sun is setting. The mood is sensual. It is Phil Nights. Uh, that actually sounds like a good name for a character and a thing. Uh, throw that out there. Free character name. Phil Knights. Uh, I actually think uh, there was a character named Phil Knight on uh, that short-lived Molly Shannon uh, Selma Blair show that was a remake of another show. Uh, and it was obviously not super memorable because I don't remember what it's called. Uh, as always, or not always, as some of the time, uh, my co-host and commute companion, Franklin, is in the car with me. My dog. Uh, he's literally a dog. But he is part black. So... I guess he's a dog in uh, several senses. The colloquial friend, D-A-W-G, and the factual uh, animal, the D-O-G. D-O-double-G being Snoop Dogg, and he does not rap, so I will not give him that. Starting off with a bang here on Phil Knight's as we always do. I'm a little... I'm a little malaise in the, uh, in the eve. I've had a lot of caffeine over the course of the day, but it wears off by my trek home. And, uh... And now I'm stuck behind somebody doing a right turn. There's some pedestrians in the crosswalk. They are inhibiting me from getting past this person... Uh, such is the toils of driving in Los Angeles uh, commuter traffic it's uh, actually fairly light there's a little term here they like to call Friday light Uh, it is a Friday I'm getting ready for the weekend I spent the week working for the weekend and now I'm here Uh, no significant plans Um, a little Skype time with the family back home, shoving the new baby's face in front of the camera, uh, everybody oohs and ahs, and then we go back to changing diapers and feeding, uh, the little guy, the, um, fruit of the loins, I guess. I wonder if Fruit of the Loom is a play on that. A loom being a some sort of uh, apparatus that aids in uh, sewing and, and weaving, but it being around your nether loins, your you know, privates. I would have to go 
go out on a limb and say yes. Uh, I was trying to think of some fun segments to showcase, you know, the versatility of the Phil podcast. Um, You know, as part of my uh, wonderful contribution to the anniversary compilation. Uh, And so I'm going to try out some stuff. Uh, uh, I've been debating whether or not to change my voicemail. A little recorded message. Um, The current one I I did when uh, my voice was particularly deep in the morning. Um, I thought it sounded awesome. Uh, My wife informs me that it is frightening and not at all what I sound like, and it gives people the wrong impression. And normally I would not care what other people think, but I'm currently um, applying for some jobs to kind of fill the summer hiatus from my uh, regular uh, gig. And I have people calling me that don't normally call me or know who I am. So hearing uh, hearing my voice uh, an octave or so lower with a good sort of Tom Waitsian gravel uh, may be off-putting and costing me jobs, which costs me money, which means I can't feed my wife and child, which means I'm a failure as a man in this society. Um, so, I thought I'd try out a couple recordings. Maybe you guys can vote on on them. Let me know what you think, and maybe I'll go with that one. I can just snip it out of the podcast and figure out a way to to, uh, to do that, to use it. All right, here we go. Hi, you've reached Phil. I am not by my phone, or I am not currently able to answer. So if you do me a kindness and leave a voice message after uh, the tone or the woman or whoever comes on after I'm done talking, uh, I will do my best to listen to it and get back to you with the information that you seek. Um, Again, this is Phil. Thank you for taking the time out of your day to call me, and I hope to repay the favor at some point in the near future. Thanks again. This is Phil. Alright, so that's option number one. Uh, I think it might be a little long-winded. Got kind of you know, there's a meandering quality to it at a point, but I don't know if that's in, if that's hip. Uh, so, you know, maybe people like that. I don't know. Maybe they're lonely when they call. Uh, all right, here we go. Option number two. Hey, it's Phil. You know what to do. It's a voicemail time. All right. And that's option number two. Uh, playing it cool, then confused. Because you don't want people to think you're a dick. Um, and so there's a whole quality of empathy that comes in when you've uh, 
sort of caught yourself acting a little too pretentious. Um, working a few angles there. All right, here's uh, option number three. Hey, Joey, I know it's you, because you're the only one that calls me. Thank you, by the way. I appreciate your friendship. That is a, option number three. It's a very selective option. Um, Joey is one of the few that I do get regular calls from. Uh, and sometimes I can't answer, even though I'd like to. Um, you know, nowadays a lot of it has to do with having a diaper in my hand. Uh, or uh, a bottle, you know, shoving it into the baby's face. Or however he eats, I'm not really quite sure how that works um but anyway option number three option number four hi you've reached phil i can't answer my phone at the moment but i would like to call you back so i'll leave a message and a number to get a hold of you at in case my uh caller id fails that's a possibility and we don't want that so uh, leave your name and phone number, and I will call you back, most likely. Thanks. All right, option number four is a little more vanilla. Um, you know, just a safety precaution, because sometimes, you know, who knows that the voicemail thing could could uh, fail. I mean, the there was an earthquake recently. And a voicemail might be tied to that, or a caller ID. I don't know. I'm not a technologist. Um, Alright, so option number five. Hey, you've reached Phil McLaughlin, host of Phil, a podcast about Phil's commute in Los Angeles. Uh, please leave a voicemail, and maybe it'll be featured on the show. If you're calling about a potential job opportunity for Phil... Uh, then you should also leave a voicemail, and that may not be featured on the show, most likely. But if you want it to be, uh, feel free to throw that in at the end of the voicemail. Thanks again for calling Phil. Um, that's option five. Uh, that's, you know, throwing out, throwing out the show a little bit, a little viral marketing. Never heard anything. Alright, and then uh, let's see, option number six. Hey. Hey. I'm so glad you called. Um. No. No. Yes. Yes. Alright. Thanks. That's option number six. That's a little character that I do sometimes on the phone. So my friends would definitely get it. Uh, maybe a little bit too inside. Um, but uh, I don't know. Maybe it's funny. Who knows? I obviously don't know what's funny. So uh, option number seven. Hey, thanks for calling Phil. Today is a bad day to talk on the phone. 
because uh, there's just so many things going on. But if you leave a voicemail, uh, I'll, I'll be sure to tell him to call you back. Uh, this is Roger, uh, Phil's assistant. So, good day. Option number seven is the Roger option. A popular one, maybe, or a dark horse. Hard to say. Uh, And finally, option number eight. Hi, you've reached Phil McLaughlin. I'm unable to answer your call, but I would like to call you back, so leave a voicemail, and I will do that, I promise. All right, have a great day. Ugh. Option number eight is awful. Don't vote for that one. Um, if you uh, have a vote, then just, I, I guess, go to the Explosive Magico Facebook page and leave that there. Um, so, I'm interested to see the results of that poll. It'll probably be a while uh, before, before this comes out, so... I guess I'll just leave the horrible voicemail that my wife uh, hates uh, up until then. Um, So there you have it. If you enjoyed that, then you will certainly enjoy listening to more of it on Phil. Uh, We have a lot of great shows here on the Explosive Magico podcast feed. A few of my favorites include uh, LOLJK um, and Paranoia Shop. But there are other greats such as Climax, uh, not as sexual as I thought it would be, uh, but just sexual enough. And My Arms Are Lasers, uh, which is a great sort of sci-fi book movie uh, fan cast um, and many more I think I don't know guys uh, you know I would normally look it all up so I could be sure but I'm driving and uh, it's a little dangerous to pull the phone out uh, so again this has been a special mini-sode of Phil Phil Knight's riding down, or up rather, the 405 in my champagne-colored Ford Taurus, beaming out to the world. Uh, Franklin sends his best. He's currently asleep. And I am obviously giving you my worst, so have a great time and enjoy the rest. Nick, this is Joey calling from the Explosive Magical Podcast Network. How are you doing? Oh, hey, Joey from the Explosive Magical Podcast. So, Nick, what is your greatest fear? <laughs> My fear? Yeah, not about the podcast, greatest just in fear? general. Well, right now I'm getting my car about two stories underground. So right now my biggest fear is that there's an earthquake. You have reception underground? Yeah, apparently. Wow. 
Yeah. So I've been so starting my call, and nope, there's no call bomb. So there goes my second biggest fear. <laughs> When is My Arms or Lasers going to do a Starship Troopers episode? Um, I think we're going to... It'll be coming up soon, I hope. Okay. But I would like to do a Starship Troopers inclusive month. <laughs> for all the with, shows. Including, yeah, for all the podcasts. Because it spills over into Climax. It'll probably spill over into LLJK. Paranoia Shop could probably do something with it. I don't know. Something that they do, I don't know. Well, yeah. I, I, I can give you a little sneak peek on the w, WASD section. Uh, all the Starship Trooper games that co- have come out so far have sucked really hard. Yeah, well, uh, apparently some of the movies do too. <laughs> <laughs> right. What is your favorite science fiction book? Have you talked about that on the show? You know what? I don't think we have. Okay, well, let's do it now. What's your favorite? Tell me real quick. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, I like uh, Old Man's War. Is that old? I... No, it's fairly new. Offer. Hold on, I have to pay. <laughs> Sorry, I was uh, escaping the Lantana parking lot. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, yeah, no, it's fairly new. It's written by Jen Stalvey. I think I... I mentioned it in the mini-pod episode. You say that, that name, now. the longer I think about it, it's starting to sound familiar, but I don't know if you guys went and talked about it at length or anything. Yeah, it's, it's like um, Earth is a backwater planet, and uh, the colonial force kind of recruits people that are 75 or older on Earth and then gives them new bodies that splice with alien DNA so they could go out and fight other alien races because the the universe is just one giant land grab. I'm uh I'm in the middle of listening to uh, how to survive in a science fiction universe again, so I'll be ready for that show uh, in a couple weeks. Yeah, I'm looking forward to. Yeah, I actually, really haven't started. I haven't had a chance to start reading the book yet. That's good. I'm like two paragraphs in. This is a nice behind the scenes of how how the show comes together. <laughs> it really is. So really, this is probably the worst time for us for you to call me, but I thought it would be funny if I wasn't very helpful. <laughs> <laughs> Read books. Hello and welcome to My Arms Are Lasers, the mini episode. Hello. Hello. This is the sci-fi podcast where we talk about your favorite and our favorite sci-fi books and do stuff. We do stuff in our own weird little way and then we try to go a step further and bring you something that you wouldn't get just reading the books. Yeah, to bring more to the table. Like idiotic commentary. (laughs) Or stupid games. That too, yes. (laughs) Or unnecessary commentary. Mostly that. And boner jokes. But the way we do it is there's the three of us at the core. Myself, Nick Allen. Uh, Myself, Ellen Tremedy. And myself, time traveler. <laughs> I, I don't need any introduction, but in case you don't know, Aaron Walke. And myself again, Nick Allen, um, myself. Um, and we have several and myself, recurring um, helpers. 
Yes, and we always bring in a fourth, or most of the time we get, when we can find one, who's read the book or is a super fan of the book, and we'll bring them on. And today's, today's mini-episode guest is Joey Reinish. It's myself, Joey from- Reinish. I didn't, I didn't know if I was supposed to wait until I was introduced before I could talk or not. No, so. it, it's good comedic timing. Yeah. Did you learn that from your podcast that you do? Uh, I hear it's called LOLJK. Yeah, it's, it's probably the best podcast on the internet for, sure. for poop talk and alcohol. <laughs> Science fiction. Yeah. What are we talking so, about? For the first couple episodes we did, we've reviewed books. Um, we've done Snow Crash, The Golden Compass. Um, Next. Next. Ender's Game. Ender's Game. And we also did the movie of Ender's Game. And I've been quiet in the background for all of them. Yeah, it's Joey, true. Joey Joey has been recording. Joey's this. like the fifth Beatle. Yeah. He's like <laughs> he's the Pete Best of the My Arms Are Lasers podcast. I know we're doing good whenever I see him look up from his PSP and, and smile. Kind of cat crack. <laughs> when I pause but, playing Spelunky for five for, seconds. For the first few, um, we let off the podcast with just science fiction questions so we're gonna go around and we'll have some fun and answer it and then at the end of this well podcast we'll see (laughs) yet to be determined at the end of this mini mini sode we will give you some book recommendations sure great let's do it i will start because i'm the greatest (laughs) with the question start with questions yeah i'm gonna start with the question all right do you think there are aliens if so are they here have been here or undiscovered uh like, are they out there? Where or, are they? I believe I, there is a show called Paranoia Shop uh, that just did an alien episode. Yes. <laughs> so I do have a lot to say on this. <laughs> uh, I can keep them so brief. I am behind. I think, yes, they're so out there. Not, I don't you, think we've found them we yet. Do that no, we, we should pause and insert uh, Paranoia, Paranoia Shop, Shop episode yeah. nine real quick and then come back. <laughs> and then come back. Like, so that's my answer. <laughs> <laughs> an hour later. <laughs> an hour and 15 minutes later. <laughs> so that oh. was a good answer, Aaron. Very in-depth. <laughs> I forgot what I was going to say. So I, I say yes, but we haven't found them yet. From a, a sheer statistical standpoint, there's literally billions and billions of stars. Uh, many of them are in the Goldilocks zone, therefore... Did you st- just make that up? <laughs> no, that's uh, a real term. What? It's a real term. Science fiction. <laughs> but, Science. But there, therefore, Science. that means uh, there's going to yes. be uh, aliens out there somewhere. Because of Goldilocks. Do you think they've, they've already been here? Or they, they're out there? Or they're secretly among us? If I had to guess, I would say if aliens had been here in the five billion years that, that uh, our planet has existed as a planet... They would have built something crazy like a giant cone-shaped building in the See, desert. I don't know why aliens would come here and then just hover a bunch of rocks around. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. Too fuck with us. Yeah. That's I, I, I think they would send a probe here, like a mechanical probe, say, oh, cool, there's like a bunch of jellyfish in the ocean. All right, see ya. And then that's the end of it. Like, we've only been around for like three million years, and three million years ago, we were like chimp people. So like... Yeah, but dinosaurs, who are amazing, have been here for billions Yeah, so maybe they came here when they were dinosaurs, and they were like, fuck, fuck this. Or, this is, again, an entire segment in the Paranoia Shop episode or, 9, t- reiterating all of these stuff. Dinosaurs okay. are aliens. <laughs> that could be. And they, they sh- dinosaurs were like the stupid alien subspecies of some planet. Like, whoa, we're going to go off and do our own planet thing. And then they landed on Earth, and then all just got destroyed by a giant rock. There's a we got the dumb ones. There's that planet full of smart <laughs> yeah, dinosaurs. Yeah, the smart dinosaurs are often some the Goldilocks, or yeah. the Red Riding Hood there, galaxy. There is a, another thing I mentioned on the, that other podcast. <laughs> I want to hear from people not on Paranoia Shop. <laughs> <laughs> Who have done research on this thing. So let's go to me, expert. Why, why do we always assume that the aliens are the smart, like, crazy, gifted... 
people like how, how do we know there's not just like a bunch of people staring at like their space tvs and just like don't care about going elsewhere so was that on the show too no 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 mr uh, expert <laughs> mr. <laughs> that, that reminds me of a uh, hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy i don't know if have you guys read that Mm-mm. uh i guess that would be like i'm gonna my... open it up right now and read you it and then <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I guess it's uh, we that would that would, would be a book recommendation as well. Yeah, but uh, Ooh, in nice, in nice one time. of the later books in the series, I think there's five books, uh, more or less, with, along with a few short stories. But one of the books, he goes back in time to the origins of people on Earth, and it turns out that the space travelers who came here were the rejects from another planet. <laughs> <laughs> the, Perfect. Like, like all the unnecessary people, like the hairdressers and like the door to door salesmen. That's why and we they became fantastic. And they became the earth, earthlings that we are now. So basically, I'm Douglas Adams. Yes. You awesome. just invented Douglas Adams' universe. <laughs> okay, cool. All right. I believe aliens exist and have visited us in our time. Mm-hmm. That's Ooh. the short of it. They're Area 51. Yeah. If you could solve one problem in your everyday life for the sci-fi invention that you pull through a wormhole from the future, what would the problem you solve be, and what is the invention, and how does it work? From everyday life. Yeah. What's a problem that you've dealt with that you're like, God, I wish blank existed, and then say you could pull that invention from the future, and then what would it be, and how does it work? I would pull through a device that allowed me to do a workout routine. I'd get, like, all the... The calorie burns and the muscle uh-huh. uses, but it would happen in a second. So basically, you want like a hyper version of one of those electro belts. But, yeah, those, yeah. but those don't work. But it works. But, but this it's, one, it's does. from the future, so it will. <laughs> so when I pull it through, you like, you wake up, you have your 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 whey and your protein shake, <laughs> sure, and then you go like sit <laughs> on the couch and put on the do. news with a coffee, and then you strap into this thing, and then you just mm-hmm. press a button, and you're like instantly out of breath and tired and sweaty. And you're like, God, that was good, but it Ooh. only took two seconds. No, I didn't have to waste like 45 minutes in the morning. <laughs> That's good. I would probably get something like designer jeans. But <laughs> that make my butt look real I mean, good. <laughs> but spelled G E N E S. I could just Not what I thought those. you meant. Yeah, I know. It's a play on words. I'm smart. Uh, you, you can inject it. I feel like having demon wings today and just go whoop. And then you have demon wings like, I'm going to fly to work. Oh, so it's just like a science you know, you reach through and you're like, oh, I'll just stab it and yeah. inject. Or I pull through the machine that gives me designer You're going to pull through a a mystery syringe from the future. (laughs) (laughs) And let's just see what it does today. (laughs) Hopefully this isn't the Prometheus stuff. (laughs) I think that I would finally get a robot that A, would not turn against me not B, like no B, B, always important when B you bring a robot would not in be a useless Roomba that would break and get stuck under the couch C Roomba beef um, <laughs> would just would actually be a helpful around the house cleaner non-sentient helper friend <laughs> metallic slave <laughs> basically you helpful. want a slave but would it be a best but, friend would it have autonomy could it do whatever it no wanted? see that's the problem. so you want a slave no a robot which she is said non-sentient. 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 But that's half the fun is that they're sentient. <laughs> and they have to See, deal with their own mortality. Once again, we come around back to Aaron wanting slaves. <laughs> is that so wrong, really? Come on. If they're if we build them to be slaves, is that a problem? That's really their meaning, their purpose in life. <laughs> yeah. Without it, like they should they wouldn't even exist. Uh, I would go with a slave. If, no. <laughs> I'm I would pull it from the past. I'm gonna was, change my answer to the slave answer too. <laughs> I, I would pull a slave from the the past. At first, I- <laughs> Aaron. 
No. Yeah, that's good too. I didn't know we could go in the from the Roman past. times. You from Roman times, it would can, be a white slave. You, so. But you can't go in the past. That's not the question. Talking, you're racist. We're talking about the way time way past. Is, so just by having is, Joey on this podcast, it's become a screaming <laughs> no, racist. No, time is a loop, right? So I would just pull from the far, far future after the universe collapsed and re-expanded and gave us slaves. So basically, you want like a harem to come serve you is what's happening. Mm. I would give them a Roman bath I'd, harem. I'd take a harem. <laughs> what are we talking do about? Do you need a wipe, sir? And he offers you a stick with a wash rag on it. See, it's a male harem, obviously. Oh, bummer. Never mind, I'm out. <laughs> All right, well, I was just going to go with, uh, well, um, maybe some sort of fuel. Oh, wait, here I am traveling like a chump without a jetpack. <laughs> or super cool shades that let me see color. See, Nick, I think you're not oh, yeah, thinking. Because Nick is colorblind, so that's like crazy technology. That Nick just wants color. to be a whole person. He doesn't even <laughs> want to go like into crazy sci-fi mode. He just wants to be complete. <laughs> see, Nick, you, you're, you're thinking... I just want to not nervously approach a blinking light at night and then wonder if I should stop or not. <laughs> you, why don't you do like teleporter, though, if, you, if your thing is transportation, or you just want to be able to fly oh, through the air? Pack, man. Okay. Yeah, I want to fly. I also change my answer Whatever. to teleporter. <laughs> but teleporters right. have so much so much danger to them because, like, uh, you know, if you're not reassembled correctly, then you might this have like, the, one gene. I off. went two more years in the future where they ironed out the kinks. Th- there's no kinks whatsoever. Yeah, no, or no. Or if no. like I'm just a, reach a fly, further where it's if a fly perfected. gets in the teleporter with you, then you're like a fly man. No, that's fine. That's what the fly. I'll is just about. go. I'll just you Hello, know, human fly here. I'll travel back in the. In the past, because I also have a time machine now, and tell me not <laughs> Like, oh, you know when you thought it would iron out the kinks? Well, you go back no. in the you past, need to, you need to go out. three more years in the future. After and then, like, they'll, it'll reassemble the fly and you separate. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Great. Awesome. It's going to really help our day-to-day lives, all yes. these suggestions. <laughs> Especially the harem. <laughs> the robot harem. <laughs> oh, it's the robot harem. Something that I often um, bring up when I'm talking about science fiction is um, when Kurt Vonnegut described his vision of the future in Player Piano, he was wrong about a very specific thing that I thought was, I always found it very interesting. He predicted a lot of things correctly and, you know, issues with technology. But in his mind, he assumed that technology would get bigger and bigger and bigger. And computers would end up filling up big, huge rooms. He didn't foresee technology getting smaller and smaller Uh. and smaller, which other than that fact, he was right. Yeah, you know, he was a hack. What an idiot. What an idiot. You know, even though he had the thematic issues correct, he envisioned it incorrectly. So I guess my question would be, what is some sort of future technology that you could envision that you think actually will be horribly incorrect in the future? And what would that technology be and what would it look like? Like, we estimate that this is going to happen, but in reality... I got one that's happening right now. Yeah, like... (laughs) Wearing your phones on your watch? (laughs) You think that's not going to keep? I hope not. I don't know. (laughs) Well, it could be anything. Like, even if it's a technology that you think will come about, how would you like it to look, even if you think that's outlandish and it won't actually happen? Hmm. Okay, so I'll say that in the future, the way that we will communicate... We will all have chips implanted in our brains at birth, and when you want to call someone, you just think it, you hear them in your head, and they'll do 
some other implant to your eyes so it'll just project a screen too when you need to see and video chat see people basically phones will become little chips that get put into our brains i see that i see that google eyes is that what that is <laughs> probably would you like go go goggle google iris go get your google eyes today it's how, actually a real thing yeah. <laughs> how think of how many cool ways you could customize your google eye you yeah. could get like different different colors like a cat one probably and I people guess. still won't sign up for uh google circles or whatever <laughs> <laughs> no, no uh what is it google plus yeah, yeah. google plus Google Plus is still empty. <laughs> well, well speaking of social media and sort of like entertainment and personalized experiences and whatnot a lot of future portrayals of how that works is that anybody will be able to call up anybody at any time uh and just constantly share with each other and have like social circles and whatever and it's all going to be this technological i believe community. google already has circles yes you can't use us google you could say like maybe collections or ovals, yes but what i'm saying is that's what, that's what everybody says is going to happen is that we're going to that uh, social media and interactivity is just going to converge right and like it'll be everything is as you're watching tv like little squares of other your friends watching tv will pop up and so what i think in the distant future is going to happen is that eventually people's dislike of other people is going to win out and they want the personalized experience so much that supercomputers will invent fake people that people can hang out with yeah. and in, in fact it'll just be a customized life experience and you'll just have like a great life but you'll never actually interact with another human being like another real human oh, be like this whole technology. fake artificial oh, life that's weird that, cool. that like second life but real yeah like that's your personalized life experience <laughs> Would you be aware of what it was, or you'd be like... I think it would be so ingrained in society that people wouldn't even give it a second thought. Like, because all their food would be delivered to them by robots, and all of... And, like, they would... And the need for social interaction will just be another thing that robots solve with these fake interaction people. And maybe a droid comes in and is like, hey, high five, man, and then leave, but never actually have to talk to another person. Here's where where my head went. I don't know if this is exactly what you're talking about and if it isn't then it's my idea (laughs) is um and i'm the best is sort of uh like manufactured experience so where you you're just like the worst person ever like this piece of shit have no job no money no family like a matrix download yeah you can download this this life that once you sign the paperwork you total recall it essentially yeah, download the download the life and then you've just like i have had all these experiences and you as far as you know everything is cool and then you know you can go off being a piece of shit but it's like all right well i just you know i'm on a sabbatical now from my professor job well, that's, that that's, so you just have you have implanted memories of having done that's more great stuff, stuff that's, that's more of an internal experience that i think aaron was describing an external experience. everything will be completely manufactured on the outside as it goes just say like so that you have your own personalized life uh but yeah it's it's just versus what has happened to you versus what what is portrayed is happening right now mm. just two different as- sides of the same coin mm. i call it the total recall <laughs> i call it the the total remembering are you going to choose choose your own adventure or will it just be completely i think it will be automated just how google will give like recommendations to in advertising like oh you mentioned you know gynecology in email here's 50% off a gynecology exam which like, if you like ever that. googled stuff to just see how they're spelled like i do all the time mm-hmm. then all of a sudden google is like oh you love this <laughs> i envision 
before we could get up a faster than light speed or FTL drive or space jump, uh-huh. we would build an arc. A space and it would be arc. like a uh, yeah, either like a biodome or an inverted sphere, where the atmosphere is in the middle and the hole is uh, the land. Oh yeah, I would say that's a lot more likely than getting faster than light drive. Sustainable, honestly. and we just ship it out. We'll just create a portable planet, and then you know our our thousandth generation will make it to a new planet. <laughs> like, Go, friends, and hopefully you remember us fondly. But man, what a weird culture that would be by the time you get to the planet. (laughs) We are the planet people. You set set humanity off in one of those Jesus boxes and push them in the river. (laughs) A Moses? Or a Moses? Oh, Moses, Moses. whatever. Moses Moses basket? Space Moses basket. This isn't a religious cast. It doesn't matter. (laughs) Oh, that's the next one we should create. Religio podcast. I'm sure that'll be totally cool with everybody. Welcome to Godcast. All right, also, we're going to throw you some book recommendations that we might read eventually together, or just on Or just own. read on your own yeah. to be a better person. Yes, just explore sci-fi. Better person through science fiction. So, one of my recommendations... I have two. I'm going to do two. Ugh, take forever. <laughs> ah, Old Man's War by John Scalzi, one of my favorite authors. And it's funny that you mentioned the... Um, the chip in the brain, because mm-hmm. in that book they have, I think it's called the Brain Pal, mm-hmm. and it's like text messaging people, and they could look up things and search it, and so, they communicate to each other via... It gets to a point where they speak so fast by this brain chip that speaking normally, it seems so slow to them, because they're just speed of thought. So it's like a cell phone for your brain. Yeah. But in Old Man's War, basically, Earth is a backwater planet... And the galaxy, the universe, is just a huge land grab between species, races, aliens. And Earth, the colonial defense force, recruits people from Earth and gives them new bodies that they've taken DNA from aliens. But they take um, old How do people. they get this DNA? <laughs> <laughs> they spit into tubes like Aaron. Uh, okay. They milk Aaron the aliens. Okay. But they recruit from uh, older people. You have to be at least 75. And then they take you body because they need experience. Okay, that and then makes they sense. send you out, and you fight, and you fight a war. And it follows this guy. That's pretty cool. Cool. It's a great idea. There's three or four books. What was in the it called series. again? Old, Old Man's, Man's war. war by John Scalzi. I was the only one that didn't hear it. Um, <laughs> he also runs a pretty cool blog. It's, I think it's called Whatever. Scalzi.com. Cool. Well, oh, I thought that was you not remembering it. <laughs> well, no, it's whatever. Whatever. Not, okay. <laughs> well, since we mentioned it already on this mini sode, I will say I would recommend the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy series. It's a great sci-fi comedy. If you've only seen the movie, that's that's only a fraction of the fraction of the great stuff in there. Like it's Douglas Adams who wrote the series. But they already is, mentioned the meaning of life. They do, but they don't. 42. It, it gets so much crazier. But it's just Spoilers. great wordplay and thought 42. experiments and Spoiler alert. and following science fiction to its most absurd conclusions uh, about life, the universe, and everything. So I highly recommend it if you haven't read it. Not just the first one, but the whole series. I think you can get compendiums that have all five books together, and you can read it. And but I wouldn't month. recommend that because that's what I got, and I was like, this is too heavy. And then never read it. <laughs> like the the book was physically yeah. Heavy? I was like because this the is subject real... matter is very light and but, hilarious. Yeah, no, no, because I read on my back a lot, and then I have to hold this massive hardcover book over. <laughs> or you my can face. get a Kindle. Joey, yeah, buff. so Kindle is the answer. Joey, you're yes, buff exactly. now. I'm buff. Oh yeah, I'm getting jacked. That's right. I'll yeah, be you able got to... a Bowflex behind you. You're gotta... working up to being able to hold the book. <laughs> yeah, so I can read science fiction books. And you also <laughs> have the portal that you reach through and grab your uh, magic <laughs> science workout. My, my future workout machine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, so I'll say, well, since we were talking about Kurt Vonnegut earlier, um, I've, I seem to run into the, the fact that not a lot of people have read Player Piano. A lot more people have read 1984. I just imagine pianos take over the earth. Is that what it is about? It, that is exactly what happens, yeah. <laughs> about a race. Wow. No. I guess we don't need to not, read it now. Great. <laughs> it is, bum, bum, no, bum. Player Piano, it's, that's a meta, it's like an analogy. Phil will talk to you guys about pianos that play Vonnegut. by themselves. Yeah, if we do Player Piano, Creepy. Phil will probably gladly be a guest. Yeah, I mean, it's a it's quite a good book, and I find that not everyone has has read it. Um, but also, a more current YA book that I'm curious about, I've heard mixed things, is The Maze Runner. Um, the book, uh, the movie's coming out, I think, later in the year. So, I don't know, maybe check that out. We'll oh, talk yeah. about it on Twitter it's or like something. It's like teenagers in sort of like a, a labyrinth that's kind of like the... With the monsters. Minotaur, with a minotaur Ooh. labyrinth. And it's, it's all... Like there's all boys that get keep getting dropped into this maze, and then one day a girl gets dropped in. <gasps> is her name Katniss? Um, yeah. <laughs> okay. It's, I'll read her it. name is Katniss, never from that other book, Dean. <laughs> I'd read it. Yeah. I'm going to recommend a not book. Is that cool? That's like yeah. the Mad Magazine version. <laughs> do you guys cover not books on your Sure. Yeah, show? we'll do not books. Graphic knowledge. That was just, you know, for the the benefit of everyone else who's not heard it like I have. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm going to recommend a British TV series called Black Mirror. Mirror? Um, Black Mirror? Black Mirror. Black Mirror by Charlie, I think it's Brooker. Booker? Charlie Booker. Brooker? Um, Bookman. Each one, it's gone for two seasons now. Um, you can find it at your local torrent site. It's three episodes a piece each one is its own like self-contained mini movie um about just different ways technology is going to mess with us as a people so there's um the first season is like the one that could happen tomorrow then there's one that could happen a thousand years from now and then there's one that could happen in 50 years sounds awesome and it's it's really really dark what's it called again black mirror and it's a, a mini series. Yeah, well, there's been two seasons of it, but each one is its own. Each thing. episode is yeah, like a, it's like a like Tales a from the Crypt, only about technology. So cool. it's like here's how this stuff. Can oh, that sounds great. Screw with us, yeah, it's really really good. But um, cool, it's not light light watching. I would say. <laughs> okay. Uh, my second recommendation, and in the future we might have her on an episode in a, for an interview, is a book called The Cheat Code for God Mode by Andy De Fonseca. And I say this because I went to high school with her, so that's why we could get her on. But it's an actual author, and it's a very short book. It's only like 120 pages. So it's more like a novella. Yeah, it's a novella. It's not even 100 pages. Is it very on quick Amazon? Read. Mm-hmm. Okay. Only on Amazon. In a world where humanoid bulls patrol the street, wormholes and portals make up children's playgrounds, and flying turtles produce the most delicious bacon, Margie Plum and Victor Vance are are quite content at playing old-school video games, <laughs> and they discover a code where they could create anything. And they so they become God gods in the uh, oh, video cool. game yeah. world. Cool. cool. Long and short of it. So, yes, this has been My Arms Are Lasers. Pew, 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 pew. Pew, pew. Thank you for listening. Let's read books. Hello? Aaron. Hey, Joey. How's it going? Hey, this is Joey from the Explosive Magical Podcast Network. I saw that from the cell phone. It told me that. Yeah. What's going on? I just wanted to uh, call and talk to you about the year in Paranoia Shop. If you have any fond recollections or something whimsical, something, something. Uh, am I being recorded right now? Yes, you are. Is this part of the interview? This is part of the interview. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, then. Just the, we take a very simple subject and then we fall down the rabbit hole. And so I'll find something 
very simple, like our latest episode, uh, it's just mysterious plane flights or whatnot, right? Mm-hmm. And so a simple subject and, you know, you think that there's no possible way that something like an airplane flight could be that crazy. Like how could someone take something very simple airplanes and concoct something uh conspiratorial or paranormal about them? Mm-hmm. But then you realize that the internet is just the this infinite wellspring of insanity. <laughs> so like if I just all I had to type was the words airplane and evil and then instantly I got not one, not two, but five people on YouTube telling me uh that airplanes don't exist and in fact are just demons that are there to spy on uh good Christians. Wow that as you're driving home from work. So is, has has this so, like has the process of the show changed how you view these types of stories? Like, do they make you more skeptical, less skeptical? Like, how how has this shaped what these things used to mean well, to you? It's made me. I don't know. It's more skeptical is the right word because my skepticism has pretty much re- remained intact throughout. Uh-huh. But I have become more receptive to strange ideas uh, because. You know, even if they're patently false, they usually have a very taut logic to them. Sure. Like, whoever came up with it didn't do it, uh, you know, on a whim. He came up with it, uh, you know, and really thought it through. Like, if there's a, a baby Godzilla living in my toilet, by God, that, then that guy is going to come up with a reason how it got there. Somebody flushed it down. Right, the, the biology toilet, is going to make sense. It's, yeah, it's all going to lock together. So, in that way, I think I've, I've come to really appreciate the care that crazy people put into, uh, like, their thought processes. Sure, sure. Um, as far as fond memories, I mean, it's been fun having guests on the show a lot, you know? Like, uh, uh, when, when uh, like, you and Kyle were on, and when John and Nick were on, there's, you know... We get a chance to like take something we thought we knew about and then dig into it and go to some really weird places. Uh, and then like Holly was on recently and revealed some like personal supernatural encounters that I had no idea about. But right. you know, it's amazing that everybody just has kind of a, their own sort of encounters with the strange and weird. And I think we always think that those are uh, fascinating to hear, even if we don't totally believe them. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, All right, dude. Well, looking forward to another year in Paranoia Shop, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Of course. All right. Can I say hi to myself that I that was on the same podcast that's coming up next? Yes. All right. Let's see. Pat Darren, the future. That seems like an adequate toss. Yeah, yeah. See, we'll see if he responds. (laughs) Okay. All right. Let's go to the tape. See you, Aaron. Bye, bye, Joey from Explosive Magic. All right. Bye. You're lying alone in your bed. The silence is deafening. Soon you hear a creak outside. Something skitters along the ceiling. (laughs) I love the foley art. Something underneath your skin seems to itch trying to crawl its way out. You hear voices outside. The neighbors, they're staring at you. What is it? Why are all these things happening at once? Why are you so scared of everything? Maybe it's because you have... A phobia? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I didn't know where that was going. I didn't either.
spooky, scary, etc. Why is that better than any of the ones you've written ahead of time than, <laughs> as opposed to just making them up on the fly? Was it? I don't know. I think that was pretty awful. Have you been taking UCB classes called Improv Intro to Podcasting? Intro, intro to Introing Podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah sorry, it's not an intro. It's very confusing. People think it's an intro to podcasting. It's only no. for how to do the intros for Two podcasts. podcasts. Yeah, yeah. yeah I a lot of people one. sign up and then drop after the first I'm class. actually a level four in that particular <laughs> class. Welcome to Paranoia Shop. I am both Chad and Aaron playing two people at one. I do very good uh, ventriloquism. And I am the ghost of Chad Quant, recently deceased in the L.A. earthquakes. <laughs> and this is Paranoia Shop, your one-stop shop for all things conspiracy, paranormal, and generally weird, where we probably make fun of them all. Happy anniversary! Happy Explosive Magico anniversary! Man, has the year of my life just been a waste. It's crazy, you know? We've done this for about 10 months. The Exploso preceded us by a couple months. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They, they put out the brush fire. They were the first bulldozing truck in Fern Gully <laughs> to clear the first trees. Wow, Fern Gully reference. And then we were the ones that came in after, and we're like the third or fourth truck with the smoke monster at the end. <laughs> Sorry. Anyway, this is a welcome anniversary episode, mini episode. We've not done one of these before. I don't know how to. I don't know how to bottle it up into tinier morsels. Well, let's give it a shot. This episode, if you couldn't tell by that horrible improv opening, is about phobias. unrelenting fears that are strange and irrational, where they came from, what they are. More inward-looking phobias. We didn't do research for this one. I did research. Oh, did you? I, I always didn't. do research. I always do research. I thought we were doing personal sharings on this one. Both. I not only researched other phobias, I researched my own and what I assume yours are as well. Okay, well, mine is not online. You'd I did surprised. check that. You would be surprised. Okay, we'll, we'll see. We'll compare it. So, just to dive right in, a phobia for our, the listeners at home may not be Don't aware. Phobia. You know, a phobia is not like a dislike of something. You can dislike something and not have a crippling phobia. Oh, yeah, like, I don't have a phobia of onions. I just you can dislike, dislike spiders, but if you have arachnophobia, which is a fear of spiders and a fantastic film, <laughs> <laughs> then you will actively go out of your way and disrupt your life to avoid even the possibility of ever encountering a spider. Yeah, yeah, it's not even like you want to kill spiders. You want to stay as far away from them as possible. Yeah. The best example of a phobia which is probably the most scientific and realistic and not at all staged example of a phobia, is on the classic, I believe, Maury episode where a woman has a phobia of short people. Oh my God! Look at it! What? Get away from me! Sit down! Look at it! Look at it! Oh yeah. And cannot stand being near them. And wouldn't you know it, they videotape her go into a bar and there's a short person working there and she cannot <laughs> enter the bar. It's disgusting! I gotta talk to you about Are this. You that is probably the most realistic portrayal of a phobia. And the least realistic portrayal was also on Maury, <laughs> where there's a lady who claims to have a fear of pickles. So terrified of pickles. This is Mariah. She's 18 years old, and she is deathly afraid of pickles. <laughs> and they literally, literally walk out with a jar of pickles, and she begins to bawl. <laughs> Does the, does the audience, like, clap and applaud as if, like, it would have been, like, here's your lover? I, I swear they do our Arsenio Hall whoop and just start chanting, 
Pickles, pickles. I, I hope they do that. Like, there's a very cliche shot on reality show. It's a shot where you are the cameraman. You're backstage with the subject. Mm-hmm. Skewed angles on them as they held their arms crossed and go like, uh-uh. That's nope. every single shot. That's not my boyfriend. And I want that to be the shot of the pickles. Just like a pickles <laughs> on a table with a nice curtain and just like zoom in shots. So that's what phobias are. So Aaron, what's your phobia? Before we get into that. Oh, okay. All right. You want to dodge it? I, no, I don't want to dodge it, but let's before we talk about these phobias, I wanted just to throw out a list of phobias, because we already covered pickles and short people, but there's a lot of phobias with amazing names, okay. so I thought maybe we could play like a really quick game. I could say the name of the phobia, and you try to guess what it sure, is. Sure, sure. Music cue, theatrophobia. Fear of the stage? Yes, fear of theaters, very okay. good. Helminthophobia. Hel- can you spell it? H-E-L-M-I-N-T-H-O-P-H-O-B-I-A. Helmet? Is it like nice, delicious, breath-clearing candies? Nope. Fear of being infested with worms. Oh! oh. (laughs) Dykophobia. Mm. (laughs) How do you spell it? D-I-K-E phobia. Of, like, dams? Walls of river? (laughs) Keeping rivers from flooding? No. Fear of justice. Okay. <laughs> Wait, so you fear ju- so you're a criminal, right? Like that would only apply to criminals. Yeah, it's yes. criminals a- who are really bad at being criminals, okay. I have to assume. Now here's one that I may actually suffer from. Cosmicophobia. Fear of makeup. No. That that would be cosmeticophobia. Oh. Space. Fear of space. Like the endless void fear of space. Fear of cosmic phenomenon. Oh, what? Nudophobia. Naked bodies. Fear of nudity. Okay. That is a real phenomenon that's re- of never that's, nudes. That's reasonable. Risk development was prescient. Wait, would it be other people's nudity, though, or their nudity? Uh, I, I have to assume both. Right? If I had to guess, there, there's probably two forms of nudophobia. One is fear of other people being nude, and, and the other is fear of your own nudity. I feel like the one that is of your own, of other people's nudity, if it doesn't apply to you, you're the most narcissistic person in the world, because you hate the idea of anyone else being naked, but you're finally Except like, for yourself. I can just free ball out here, man. Well, that doesn't count. That's yeah, me. Yeah, I'm great. <laughs> Pogonophobia. Fear of pogs. No, fear of beards. Oh. There's, there's a, that's a whole class of people who terrify to you. I haven't met a lady that has that yet. Pogonophobia. You, you have pogonophilia. Yeah, I run into a lot of those. Yeah. <laughs> Hansicateliophobia. Uh, f- uh, fear of... Uh, I don't know. Fear of chopsticks. Okay. And my favorite, last one, hippopoto monstro sesquipedalophobia. Whoa. Uh, fear of, of, of hippopotamuses. Fear of long words. Not joking. Is that re- <laughs> So whoever came up with that was really clever. Right. I, it's often abbreviated to sesquipedalophobia, which is not much better for fear of but long words. But the creator of that was like, I got a fun thing. Hippopoto monstro sesquipedalophobia is the fear of long words. That's the worst, like, Disney Mary Poppins song. Hippopoto monstro sesquipedalophobia. <laughs> now you have to go to a doctor because you can't see... Yeah. Because you're crazy. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> All right, so let's talk a little bit about our own phobias, just to be fair. Just, yeah, this is personally Do you want to go first? Or yeah, I'll share them, and then uh, I'll, yeah, let's just share our phobias. So, ever since I was a little kid, I've been genuinely freaked out by... You know how in the Muppets, sometimes they'll do, like, trick photography, and they'll show a wide shot of the Muppets mm-hmm. where you can see their legs and yeah. running around? Yeah, Kermit riding his bike in the Muppet movie. Yes. Every time I've ever seen that, it's genuinely unsettled me. Is it because you can't figure out how they're doing it? 
No, it's okay. So here's what I think it is. Like, whenever you see that, there's an unspoken rule with any sort of puppetry where you don't see the legs because you just see like the puppeteer's arm reaching up. Sure. But then when you pull back and that's not there, it's like, oh, what you thought was reality is completely wrong. <laughs> and there's all this whole business so going on just out of frame that you have no the idea. Muppets are real. We've been lied to. Yes. And it just makes me think it's a fear of the unknown, is what it is. That's fascinating because every time I have watched those scenes in the Muppet movies, I am more just continually, nonstop thinking, how'd they do that? This is a poster for the first recent reboot of the Muppet movie, and that freaked me out. Oh, and they're all walking on their legs? They're all walking on their legs in the poster. And look at the, the byline <laughs> for the poster. closer than you think. <laughs> That's strange. I will say, I've always kind of had an issue with mascots, too. No, mascots actually terrified me as a kid. I was fine with uh, animal mascots. Uh-huh. Human mascots destroyed me. The one that always freaked me out more than anything was the intro to ALF. Are you familiar with that? <laughs> yes. Where it's like Alpha the camera, right? And it's from his perspective, and he's running around and taping, you know, Willie and all of his family. But then he sets down the camera right at the end, and the family gathers for like a family portrait. And then Alf, like a midget in an Alf costume, runs out and joins them. Yeah. And that yeah, yeah, that, that's actually pretty terrifying. Up. That's that's more of it's not even Elf. That's a monster, like a little yes. goblin man. And you hear a little skittering. Yeah, in your living room, you go back in and you just see a just tiny see midget-shaped <laughs> Elf just staring at you, just like and he goes, in the darkness, just staring back. And he goes, "Ha! I kill you. <laughs> <laughs> you look like a cat." <laughs> <laughs> So I did a little bit of research trying to figure out w- what the hell is this and does anybody else feel this way? And I did notice that in the comments for the Muppet poster, there was a lot of fans that actually backlash saying that they found it incredibly unsettling just as much as I did. They so said, you found a support community. Yeah, like Movie Line called the appearance of their feet on the poster chillingly creepy, saying there are a few unassailable essential guidelines to film. The villain is always bad, the girl is always pretty, and you should never, ever see the Muppets' feet when they walk. <laughs> <laughs> There's probably some genitals. Yeah. There's probably some Muppet genitals you hadn't thought about. <laughs> the closest phobia I could find to this was called pediophobia which is a fear of dolls, but it's associated with a range of dolls, from old-fashioned china dolls and porcelain dolls to dolls that talk and move. Pediophobia is considered a branch of automatonophobia, or a fear of humanoid figures. Really what they're trying to say is, is that it's for people who are deeply unsettled by things that kind of broach the uncanny valley. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Yeah, for and for those who are unaware of what that is, the uncanny valley is like, when it comes to human cognition and us recognizing faces and creatures or people, they're sort of like a level of comfort when humans are looking at say like a robot that talks and it's like oh, okay that's okay but then as it becomes more and more humanoid our comfort dips into this valley of like discomfort and uncanniness like that does not look like a regular person there's something very wrong with that I don't want to look at that anymore and that's what you get with like the Polar Express where there's like a corpse Tom Hanks jumping around oh all the Robert Zemeckis stuff yeah. like I'm making people on the screen that aren't really there like but you're making monsters they look like monsters I think maybe some form form of automatomophobia is the fear of Muppet feet. Let me show you mine that is way weirder. I have never found another person who had anything like this. My phobia was very specific when I was growing up, and I guess it still does bother me a little bit, was I was constantly worried that 
uh, food I was eating had pieces of plastic or like stray foreign objects in it. Sure. Specifically more, um, I guess like food objects that had uh, piles of things like spaghetti or cereal. Cereal was a big one because who knows what's oh, in like that Oh, like the milk. prizes? Like not even the prizes. That's the thing. Oh. It was always kind of the, the most... Uh, like industrial accidents? They leave a screw in there or something? Yeah. No, it, it was always like plastic. To me it was always toys. It was always really hard for me to... I actually had to stop whatever I was eating if I was watching Saturday morning cartoons, eating a big old bowl of Lucky Charms, for example, and then a Mighty Max or Polly Pocket ad came on. Uh Those were the worst ones. Because Polly Pocket and Mighty Max, if you don't know those, were plastic toy houses with little miniature, you know, one centimeter high Yeah, they're like one inch high. They're really tiny. Tiny, tiny. Oh, oh, by the way, choking hazard. Oh, yeah, just choking hazard. It was before even they mentioned choking hazard. It was just for some reason the idea of, like, them being comparable to the size of the food I was eating. I was like, (laughs) that could be in this bowl right now. I could scoop down and not pay attention. Next thing I know, I bite in and then there's, like, a Mighty Max head. Which wouldn't even be the worst thing. It wouldn't kill me, but for some reason that was the most terrifying thing. In my mind, I rationalized it as... Yeah, the giant factory where everything is made, including <laughs> cereal and Polly Pocket and furniture. There could only have been one shoot that has Polly Pocket toys and one shoot that's Cheerios. And, and they the might Polly get Pockets mixed up. Just go, it ruined so many meals for me. Wow. Really, really ruined it for me. So what, you would not enjoy a Mardi Gras King's Cake then? No, no. Uh, <laughs> an ex-girlfriend who's Spanish, her family loved those. And she like made me eat King's Cake she had made for me. Uh-huh. And I did you get eat. the bean? I the the bean. I know the baby Jesus, the little plastic plate. Oh, I think that's a Mexican thing. They make it Jesus. And stuff. Oh yeah, no, yeah. The Mexican thing was you put a tiny plastic baby Jesus in the loaf of bread, <laughs> somewhere in the loaf of bread, and then when you bite into the bread, you might find it. And like that's <laughs> terrifying. It was the worst thing, and it was like a offensive thing to her that I couldn't eat it. Oh, that was so rough. Well, I wasn't able to find a single phobia that encompasses all of that, but I found three phobias that I think really together when that in the middle of that Venn diagram would explain that fear. Okay. One is the most obvious, phagophobia, which is fear of eating. Eichmophobia, which is fear of sharp or pointed o- objects. And then three, arecabutyrophobia, which is fear of peanut butter sticking to the roof of your mouth. <laughs> but I love that so much. Okay, so somewhere in there. Somewhere in the, spectrum, the middle of that. I would love to know what the diagnosis of that is. If there's something like if fear there are of any foreign objects. People with PhDs out there that are listening to this. No one no one does. <laughs> well, we're having King's Cake tomorrow, oh, so God, King's Cake is so messed up. <laughs> Even if you're not phobic, it's so weird to have like a baby Jesus <laughs> baked into your bread. Why swallow Jesus to Why show did you your bread? bake baby Jesus in in an oven? Why did you do that? Like that's what you're theoretically doing. <laughs> And you're putting a little plastic baby Jesus in an oven and cooking them to 400 degrees. That seems just like unhealthy. Yeah. To melt plastic in your uh, bread, let alone sacrilegious. Oh, I couldn't handle it. We asked people on the uh, Paranoia Shop Twitter, by the way, at Paranoia Shop, if you want to follow us, what were their personal phobias that they wanted to share? And we got some really good ones. At Esquire Bob, friend of the show, says, Reverse heights. I get really uncomfortable looking straight up, even if I'm on solid ground, which is really interesting. I had not heard of that before. Yeah, I hadn't heard about it, but I did look into it a little bit, and I think it's a form of agoraphobia, which is a fear of open spaces, right? So when you see, when you look straight up, how is there any bigger open space than just infinity looking into the sky, probably giving him some sort of vertigo? My reasonable fear of that would be someone who has very mild claustrophobia sometimes, so the agoraphobia at open spaces sounds the best. 
my rationalization would be, well, I could just get sucked into space. Neil deGrasse Tyson was talking about how if the Earth just stopped rotating, we would all be flung. Like, uh-huh. we would all just keep <laughs> moving forward and just go into space. That's terrifying. Like, sure. that's, they were all on just like a ride without seatbelts and just ready to go flung off. Yep. I get that. If that's, where, if that's where that's coming from. Right. And there's a more specific version called kinophobia, which is a fear of voids or empty spaces. So you may be a, a kinophobe. Christian Oberhofer says, I'm repulsed by fleece fabric. Can't touch that stuff. Fleece fabric. So is it more like a physical repulsion or are you genuinely like afraid of it? I gotta imagine I gotta imagine it's a physical repulsion. There's a few things like textures that really, really bother me. I don't know what it was. I remember thinking I need to go see a doctor about it, mm-hmm. probably around middle school age. I could not tolerate oh god, it still makes my skin kind of crawl thinking about it. Uh, paper napkins oh. <laughs> rubbing against themselves. Like like not just like not talking about paper towels. I'm talking about like that kind of like the napkins, yeah. Paper napkins. The the sound, the texture, every part of it, like that that it made me have pain. Like I actually I had to leave the room whenever someone was doing <laughs> can it. Can I can I tell you something? When I was that age, second grade, I ate paper towels. Oh <laughs> I ate them. Why? I don't even know why. I just How long did you do that? Probably like a year. Holy shit. I think shit. I did it I ate napkins. And I, I remember, I still have a sense memory, and it was so, to this day, it makes me retch a little bit. What a coincidence, uh, not Strider, also tweeted in, staying styrofoam being rubbed together freaks me out. Yet, styrofoam bothers me on, on a sound level, hmm. make squeaking noises. Mistress Harper says, video footage on handheld video cameras, whether it's real life or movies, as long as it's from handheld, Ooh. it's freaking me. Yeah, yeah. That's, that is creepy. I mean, this is why the last 10 years of horror movies have proven that this is a thing that people are freaked out by, whether or not just that oh, it might have actually happened. You not being in control of where you're looking is very unsettling. I think it might also have something to do with, because uh, a lot of phobias are started by association. You know, sort of like pure Pavlovian response. Mm. So if every time she sees scary shaky cam footage, and it's used in like a horror film, if she associates, whenever I see shaky cam footage it means something bad's gonna happen, then it could have transferred the fear. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Mistress Harper, the way to fix this is you need to break into a family's house, like a family with kids. And videotape them at Christmas. No, 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 don't, vide- don't videotape them at Christmas. Steal will also do that. <laughs> Hold them at gunpoint and then videotape some nice family moments. I meant, like, break into their rec room and steal all their family videos. Download them off their iMovie and just and just watch nice hours and hours of kids learning to ride their bikes, just having a good old time. Yeah. Try to ignore the fact that Slenderman's in the background of one of those shots oh, and you and don't it- know why. <laughs> and it phases in and out of existence. Phases in and out of existence. Almighty Corks. Wow. The great Almighty Corks. The great Almighty Corks. Peculiar silence. That sort of quiet where it doesn't feel natural. Ooh. I mean, yeah, that's that's always told really well in stories. It's not as well used in in cinema that I can think of as far as scary stuff. Because it's always about like quiet, but you still hear like tinkling and then like yeah. a big old brom sound. When I was a kid, I genuinely got freaked out if the house was completely empty and completely silent. Because anytime, you know, anyone is sort of isolated and there's no sound, your brain automatically turns up sort of the gain on your your senses to mm-hmm. make it to make it so you could hear anything that might be happening, right? So I would start to have like auditory hallucinations, your heart thumping and stuff. And there's actually a study that was done in the world's quietest room. They literally created a room that I think was like negative 40 decibels. Wow. So it absorbed the sound. It was just a silence room. Yeah, it was a silence room and no one could stay in there longer than four minutes. 
because it would get so uncomfortable to them that they would have to run out because their heartbeat would sound like a pounding, like someone's slamming a door. Also, just not at all used to it at all. FYI, fear of silence is called sedatophobia. Mm. So if you are a sedatophobe, uh, now you know <laughs> what you are. Almighty Quirks also said, uh, and getting into serious trouble for something you don't even remember doing, which to me says more... Almighty Quirks might have, like, a Fight Club Tyler Durden problem. That could be. Where he's just waking up committing crimes. Or he may have peccatophobia, which is a fear of sinning for imaginary crimes. Or he might have done something terrible. Or he might and he's trying and to, it out. He's trying to plot his alibi out now. Like, he hasn't gotten caught yet for, like, murdering someone. <laughs> and he's like, I'll tweet a paranoia shop and be like, yeah, I, I don't remember ever doing anything. I Sometimes I just forget I've, stuff. I've never done anything wrong. Yeah, yeah. I, solid he, alibi. Solid alibi. Like, start excusing. <laughs> So then a year from now, I was like, yeah, right here he tweeted at that podcast. So, said, Almighty Corks, we got your back. I, we'll lie you for you us under you, you were hanging out with us at Chuck E. Cheese. Yeah, which we do a lot. On whatever date you want it, want it to be, just let us know. Just send us a direct message. <laughs> Perm Trouble said, I want to end on this one. I check the toilet for snakes before I sit down to poo every Ooh. time. I, there's always like those urban legend stories. Of, oh, like, anaconda. It's like, always like an anaconda or an alligator. Lights your taint. I mean, I believe it is actually possible that it can happen. Oh, absolutely. There are stories of toads and snakes coming up through the, the plumbing. Man, every time I ever was camping or in the woods or any kind of outlying area where there was a toilet, genuinely had that fear of, sure. like, bugs. Bugs crawling up my butt. Uh, thank you for all the submissions. Uh, that's Pretty great. Cool. If yeah. you want to send more of them, email us at paranoia shop. That's s h o p p e at gmail dot com, or follow us at paranoia shop on Twitter. You can follow me on Twitter at quantum theory, and me at good Aaron. Uh, that's that's a mini sode. That's still a decent beefy mini sode. It's think. a beefy mini sode. And just so you know that you're not alone, at least Chad and I both definitely suffer from aromophobia. Anufotophobia and thanatophobia, which is fear of staying single, fear of being by oneself or lonely, and fear of death or dying. So we're all fear of dying <laughs> alone. Thank you very much for listening, and take it away, Joey! Happy anniversary! Hello, Joey! Kyle, this is Joey calling from the Explosive Magico Podcast Network. Oh, hey, Joey! How you doing? <laughs> this is how we naturally call and talk to each other. Pretty standard. How's it going, well, Kyle? How you doing, dumb? Is well, this a business call? No, it's not a business call. Oh, okay. Just wanted to call and, and see uh, how you feel that the podcast network and LOLJK is over a year old. Uh, does it bring whimsy or fond memories? Or something? I mean, certainly many memories. Yeah. Numerous. Most of which I can't recall because usually when I'm doing one of the podcasts, I'm blackout drunk. <laughs> That's what I was uh, about to bring up when you said many memories. Pretty safe to say that I rarely remember what I just said <laughs> when we're finished a podcast. <laughs> so, many more. Yeah. I... I don't know if you remember the mini-sode that is coming up next, um, but I just finished going through it and its episode today. Uh, yeah. we, we recorded the mini-sode at the end of episode 12, and by that, yeah. by the end of episode 12, 
all four of us were so fucking hammered that this episode is like the worst case scenario. Well, that's good. Yeah. That should be the sampling that we send the people that we, that more than likely aren't always listening to us. (laughs) I I have a feeling it's going to give the opposite effect once they hear, once they hear what this is and then be like, I don't know if I can take two hours of that because it's like an entire podcast distilled down into like 13 minutes. It's by far the, yeah. And it's probably, it's the worst of us. It's really what we need to let people know is that what you're about to hear is really usually just what you hear in, like, the last 20 minutes of an LOLJK podcast. Right. That's assuming that we all get to that level of hammeredness. Well, lately that has been the case. (laughs) But uh, uh, maybe someday we'll post that um, episode one that was just me and you like, drunk and yeah. depressed at, like, 2 in the morning. Well, with full soundboard. Yeah, that one had the soundboard. You're right. <laughs> All right. I thought it was great. I can't believe we lost that. No, I, that. I, I still have it. Oh, you mean lost the soundboard in the show? My, my soundboard. Ah. Really. I don't, think, I don't think LOLJK needs another source of sound. Well, good point. Yeah. It's a good conference, which is why I love it. But, you know, hey, hopefully you get to keep making it. If maybe one day we'll make it more than once a month. Who knows? <laughs> well, I'm unemployed. I'm unemployed next week, so I'm available. All right. All right. Well, <laughs> so am I, basically. So, whatever. Let's do it. Sweet. <laughs> All right. Weekly LOLJK. You heard it here first. Kyle, it has been a pleasure doing LOLJK with you for a year. How's that for a sign-off? I like that. What a wonderful business arrangement this has been. What a mutually beneficial time. What a wonderful, magical time in our lives. What a, what a magical time in the listeners' lives. Right. More importantly, the listeners. Yeah, fuck them. <laughs> All right, Kyle. I'll talk to you later. <laughs> okay, love you. Love you. Okay, bye. Bye. Nothing. That's absolutely awesome. nothing. Anyway. All right, so uh, Joey, you got, a special, you got a special topic for us? For the LOLJK anniversary segment. Well, it's uh, not the LOLJK anniversary. LOLJK Explosive Magico anniversary segment. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. I thought I would uh, find a topic near and dear to LOLJK's heart. Uh, poop-related. Yeah. Good. A poop-related topic. No, we pretty topic. much have something poop-related. This is like where we shine. This is, this where, is where we, we shine, really shine. This is really where the, this is. This is absolutely where the shit hits I'm the fan. I'm sorry if oh. you're uh, yeah. eating something of some sort. Well, you should um, know better. Well, fucking stop. So, I... Uh, rather than just finding something I thought was funny, yes. I actually made sure that this was a, a widely regarded, like, I found it on multiple sources, we'll say. Okay. Okay. You checked um, it. And double checked that it's a real thing. Peer reviewed. I did. You verified You peer reviewed this article. I settled. There a lot of scientific questions. Yes, I brought found up it multiple on times. Discovery. You cosmosed it. it. Yeah, Neil deGrasse exactly. Tyson would be proud of your research. I am the Neil deGrasse Carl Tyson Carl Sagan would blow you. 
keep what? going. Uh, if it was shit related. Yes. Yes. All right. Sure. What you got? So this is. I'll just read the subject. Baby poop bacteria helps make healthy sausages. <laughs> what? <laughs> oh, oh, sausages. So why are we talking about like baby uh, poop? Baby poop pre solid. But they're food? not. They're not baby. They're not sausages filled with baby poop. No, no, no. It's like a probiotic thing. Like the Jamie Lee Curtis, like the... Yeah, her poop, her poop, poop yeah. yogurt. Poop it, yogurt. It's talking about like introducing... Um, Healthy, know, healthy abdomen bacteria. Baby bacteria. Exactly. Baby bacteria so but it's, it's sort of like we were talking about a few episodes back about curing the that. poop pills. When yes. they use the healthy people poop to cure the sick people. Yeah, exactly. A, so boop, a boop transfusion. This yeah. probiotic shit. Which, you know, there's probiotic, there's antibiotic. So, are they actually using this in sausages? Bacteria and yeast ferment sugars and foods, generating acids, gases, and alcohols. In addition, many types of sausages, including pepperoni and salami, are made with the aid of bacterial fermentation. Yeah, but it's really? not fucking right. shit. <laughs> okay, come on, Kim. Hang there's on bacteria in everything, Which though. gives these sausages their characteristic mm, tangy flavor. Sausage. Sure. In many cases, their chewy texture and intense red color. Mm-hmm. So they're talking about fermenting using this. So you're fermenting your smoked meats this with bacteria. This is a terrible bacteria. thing to tell someone who's on a no-carb diet and eats <laughs> lots of meat and sausage. Kim's face is amazing. And keep going. Fermented. Kim, how many summer sausages have you eaten while you're on your diet? A lot. Really? And lots of pepperoni. Oh, and you're salami. the best. Oh. In recent years. Such high fat, though. Scientists have discovered that foods such as yogurt that contain live probiotic bacteria. So it's like yeah. the shit yogurt of yeah. yeah. Tibia and Jamie Lee Curtis. I believe that's Jamie Lee Curtis shit yogurt. Jamie Lee Curtis. Jamie yogurt. Lee Curtis. Jamie Lee yogurt. Do you remember in college? Yogurt Lee Curtis. You would have activia and then <laughs> Jamie Lee yogurt. You, you had your dorm go-gurt, room. Gogurt. You had your dorm room. Uh, Jamie Lee Gogurt. You and your <laughs> and your roommate like had separate rooms, but you shared a bathroom. Yeah. And you'd go to the bathroom. Just and yogurt everywhere. And you'd come out and you'd just go. And you Jamie Lee all over. Activia. <laughs> <laughs> that was my my uh, war cry for taking a shit in yeah, my dorm room. That's yeah, what good. I did. Yeah, so right. they're saying they they contain live probiotic bacteria can have a wide variety of uh, health benefits. For instance, these microbes could help burn away belly fat, treat depression, lower inflammation, prevent urinary tract inflammation, infection, maybe? inflammation, inflammation, whatever the fuck you said, inflation. Scientists in Spain <laughs> reason that probiotic bacteria could be used in fermented Wait, sausages as well. Coming out of Spain? They're, uh, they eat a lot of uh, weird stuff. I believe they call it España. <laughs> Donde esa España. The scientists concentrated I got these poop on, tapas. on 43 <laughs> fecal samples of healthy infants six months old. These samples were taken from diapers mostly provided <laughs> by midwives. <laughs> okay. This is no, where this breaks down for me. There's a scientist sitting there taking stool samples from infants uh, zero to six months old. Just sitting like... Waiting for a good diaper. Yo, what if we eat this? What do you guys think? You think we're going to eat this? You you know know how it went down down like this? Like, hey, I got 20 bucks. You won't eat this. (laughs) 
I bet you want to No way. No way. I'll eat it, but only if you put it in a sausage. Yeah, I want to. I'll do it, but I'm putting it on with something I like. And I fucking love. I fucking love pepperoni, bro. I'm going to put this on this pepperoni sandwich. And then he's like, this is delicious. And I feel great. Oh my God. The scientists. And then someone's like, we got to check out the science behind this. Why do you feel so good, bro? Bro, I think it's just baby shit, bro. This poop sausage. I still maintain scientists are the like the most uh, educated practical jokers. They're just like, I have the degree. It doesn't fucking matter what I say. You'll believe it because I'm a scientist. So the scientists. So eat this shit. Yeah. Yeah. So eat this fucking baby shit. You can trust me. I'm a scientist. The scientists tried fermenting six batches of sausages using three strains of bacteria found in baby poop and three other commercial probiotic strains of bacteria. Studies they had done in the past established the strains they used for fermentation excrement were safe for people. Specifically, Ugh. the investors made fewer... Oh, so, okay, so time out. So First they made they some that. that weren't. First, they had to determine which ones were safe for people. Because they so made plenty somebody, of them that weren't. Somebody who really needed some money signed <laughs> up for an experiment, turned out they had to eat shit, and then they found out that shit wasn't something yeah, you they should got, have Yeah, there was like at least 20 people vomiting. that got sick on baby shit sausage. And they were like, well, this wasn't worth 20 bucks. Wow, we fucked up. <laughs> This was not worth the two extra credit points on my psychology oh, test. Oh, God damn it. There goes I my fucking done, college what, credit. Why the hell didn't I just do summer school? <laughs> Fuck, I should have just done summer well, I school. I got two oh, points, God. but I missed fucking four weeks of class. Oh, guys, I got diphtheria. Uh, I would like to, to give you guys a quote from Joffer. Um, he Joffrey? says, Joffer. King Joffrey. He told King Live Joffrey. Science. King Joffer. We ate Straight them. off his murder fest. He, Joffer told uh, Live Science. We ate them, and they tasted very good. Ah! <laughs> Fucking Joffer would say that. That's his real, God. that was his real quote for we life. Ate it, we and ate it, them, and it says, future good. research needs to confirm if the strain of bacteria actually has probiotic effects. Meaning so they might not have any of no at all. Baby they shit. might just be eating poop sausage for the hell of it. So they're in this oh. speculation session of yeah. this uh, scientific yeah, you know endeavor. Baby shit doesn't ruin my pepperoni. I don't love it. I don't dislike like it, but you know what? It, I'm gonna keep doing it. I'm gonna keep, I'm gonna keep doing going it until on. someone tells me just it's in bad. Case. It's just in case it's got the benefits. It's not the worst. <laughs> it's not the worst thing, but it's not like the best thing. But I'm not, it's not. You know sick. what? It really depends on what the baby's diet was. Yeah. I mean, it's this is a this is a breastfed baby, so it's more natural, and I think that's what did it. This is a tit-fed baby. A tit-fed. Um, you can tell because it's just. Oh it's, 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 got a, it's, it's got a more full. Yeah. It's got a more full body he to it. Moved on to the Cheerios yet, so it really Yeah, the soggy yeah. Cheerios phase is at least a couple it's months. It's all away. about having baby poop just of a baby that hasn't moved on to solid food. Just sucking on that nip. You know what? The best quote or the best fact. Are you sure? Article, because you read the best quote. I did, yeah. but the best fact <laughs> It not taste bad. It does not taste bad. It the does best, not taste bad. The best fact from this article is the last one. No companies are currently interested in commercializing <laughs> oh, fucking these God. sausages. Newsflash. You know what it is? If someone is using that, I am not buying They might as well just say, fun fact, these scientists are doing it out of one of their garages. Yeah. So this scientist has this baby and is just taking this shit and rubbing on everyone's salads. no one asked them to do this. Well, and if someone does start doing that, like the only reason they would add something to an 
like a product that already exists is so that they could like tell people, hey, this product is new and improved. And no one is going to fucking advertise their product as new and improved because it contains baby shit. But they would get Jamie Lee Curtis and be <gasps> like, it's probiotic sausage. Hey, my name is, is Jamie you know, Lee Curtis. That. You may if, recognize me from I True see, Lies. I would I like super hot. Endo- I would fully endorse <laughs> this product made with all natural baby shit. My as name is Jamie Lee Curtis. I'm Jamie Lee Curtis. You may recognize me from True Lies. I, that's the only, <laughs> <laughs> only movie she Wait, was it? Uh, um, you may recognize wait, me she? from Halloween. Now I'd like also for you to lies. envision my terrible shits. Hello, my name is Jamie Lee Curtis. You may recognize me from my guest starring appearances on The New Girl. I'm into say, I would I'm like to say you, trading places. I'd like, I, uh, I'd like I to tell you about the best sausages. Friday. Hey, my name is Jamie Lee Curtis. <laughs> I have gotten like way better with the intestinal stuff after chugging baby shit. My you may recognize Jamie- me from Hi, the yogurt commercials. I'm Jamie Lee Curtis. You may recognize me from the other commercials where I talk about my shit. Hi, I'm Jamie Lee Curtis. Remember when I didn't wear any clothes? <laughs> I'm Jamie Lee Curtis. Eat baby shit. The moment someone advertised their sausage, I'm Jamie Lee Curtis. Probiotic. Have my new Jamie Lee Curtis shit salsa. Dip anything you want in it. Salsa. (laughs) (laughs) Talk about the evolution of the Jamie Lee Curtis brand. Hi, I'm Jamie Lee Curtis, not Sigourney Weaver. How do you feel about my new spinach Hi, dip shit You may have thought that you saw me chased by an alien. You were incorrect. However, I Hi. like to double fist baby turds. Hey, I'm Jamie Lee Curtis. Have you tried shit? Pretty soon you're just coming out of the bathroom like, Hi, I'm Jamie Lee Curtis here for shit. The thing I love about shit is that you can just keep it in your mouth and let it dissolve like a Werther's original. Eventually it just all becomes liquid. Jamie Lee Curtis. For shit. <laughs> Pretty soon people are just be like, oh, I just had a wicked Jamie Lee Curtis in there. Oh, no. Oh, God, my Jamie Lee Curtis is acting up again. Oh, God bless her. God as, bless her. Salt, as pepper, as beautiful. Company, as soon as the sausage company starts advertising their sausage as probiotic, I'm out. Uh, I'm done. <laughs> done. Yeah, I know I'm what the fucking, fuck that means. I know yeah, what it means. Probi- probiotic summer sausage. Probiotic I'm out. I know what that means. Baby shit. It's I'm done. No, it's not necessarily baby shit. It's just like tricking people into eating shit. Yeah. Yeah. It's like done with you. If we had this pile of shit left over, let's throw it into whatever we're advertising. We might as well. God. Fuck it. Jamie Lee Curtis for shit. (laughs) Gross. Well, there we go. Well, I think you guys get an idea what LOLJK's all about. Yeah, a little little peek into that. We're all about Jamie Lee Curtis. (laughs) Jamie Lee Curtis for shit. Well, we are already running long here, so I'll be quick. That is uh, one year of Exposed Magico podcast. Thank you all for listening. I would also like to thank the Exposed Magico crew, Phil, Kyle, Brian, Kim, Nick, Matt, Aaron, Chad, Ari, Ellen, for uh, spending what little free time you do have in making these shows. I personally am really proud of everything we've been able to do in the last year. Um, I apologize again for the LOLJK segment. And uh, please feel free to write in mailbox at explosivemagico.com and show your friends and write reviews. 
Um, yeah, thank you guys for, for making this fun to do. It's all for you guys, so let us know what you think. If you have any suggestions, questions, comments, etc., we're, we're here to listen. Um, otherwise, we'll be busy making terrible things to fill your ear holes with. All right, we'll see you next time on a show somewhere. <laughs>